Welcome to the 15th ever episode of the Video Store Junkies podcast, a podcast about movies and the experience of watching them. It's Friday night, so of course we are back in the video store, and tonight we are headed straight for the horror section. But we're not looking for just any horror film. We're looking for one of the most important horror films ever made, a film that launched careers, created a genre, and inspired more than a few creators to go into filmmaking themselves. Welcome to a night of total terror. Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. That's right. Tonight we're going to be talking about one of the most important horror films in history, or maybe even one of the most important films in history. We're talking about Night of the Living Dead. Now, I'm joined by a bunch of people here tonight who we're all huge horror fans, and it's kind of funny. This is our probably 11th or 12th episode, depending on when we release it. We haven't really talked about a, a serious horror film yet, and this is going to be our first, but this is a good one to start with because... This is, like I said, probably responsible for a entire genre more so than any other ho single horror film that I can think of. So we're going to start, we're going to talk about the movie uh, in a moment, but let's start by going around, just introducing ourselves really quickly and just talking for a moment about when we first saw this film and kind of what our relationship with this film is. And let's start tonight with Paul. Hey, me. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, when I first saw this film, actually, before I actually saw it, I had it narrated to me on the playground. Uh, it was a summer. I was at my cousin's in Staten Island, and, and one of the kids there was like, hey, yeah, you want to hear about, about you know, Night of the Living Dead? I'm like, yeah, sure. And he told me, like, the whole story. And often when you get that kind of story from, a you know, a kid on the playground, you finally see the movie, you're like, he was on crack. There's nothing. No, this kid nailed it. Like I watched the movie and I was like, oh my God, I know what's coming up because this kid, like it was fantastic. He was a great storyteller. I have no idea who the hell he is now, but it was great. Um, when I first finally first saw it was late night on a crappy black and white TV. Um, and it was coming from a, we lived outside of DC, but we also occasionally kind of get the Baltimore stations, the UHF stations. And it was a, a late night UHF uh, station doing a, a horror broadcast of it. And I watched it there. And then since then, I can't even tell you how many times I've watched it. Uh, lose track, right? Um, but uh, so that was my relationship with it and, and enjoyed it and liked it and, and watched it a million times since then. And for this is the first time I've actually watched like a good copy. Um, it's the, the version that's on Amazon Prime, which is... Uh, I guess it's a slightly restore, restored copy or whatever. And it was like, wow, it's, it was, it was really good looking. Um, and zombies, I, you know, right now at this point, I'm, you know, zombies for the past 20 years have been uh, all over the media, but you know, this is the thing that started, but 
really what ties to this podcast is I met, aside from Renee, who's my sister-in-law, <laughs> I met the rest of you guys because of zombie movies. Because yep. I, I was yep. I, I was online looking at this person saying, hey, these people are making a zombie film and need people to be zombie extras. I'm like, damn, I wish I lived here. I'm like, oh my God, they're in Sanford. Ah! And next thing I know, <laughs> you know, I, I was hooked up with the rest of you guys. So The rest is history. Uh, the rest is history. So yeah, that that's my rambling zombie-esque uh um history with this and i didn't even eat cereal tonight you did however not really introduce yourself but you don't oh, have oh, to yeah. you don't oh. want to i'm one paul job. Card- i'm paul cardulo and i have Great. played a zombie on in movies mm-hmm. yeah I, I actually hadn't thought of that but like very 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 indirectly this film is probably responsible for us actually knowing each other so that's kind of oh, yeah, funny yeah. Oh, Actually, um, the yeah, first time I was a zombie, the first time I was a zombie, I shared, I shared, uh, um, I shared intestines, eating intestines with your sister, Zach. So, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Alan, how about you? Oh, that's hard to follow. Um, but, uh, so I'm Alan and, uh, my relationship with this film, I, this is, um, I had seen this film before, um, not not that much. I I, I I think I'd seen it once or twice, and it had probably been you know on television maybe another couple of times while I was doing something. Um, but yeah, I, I rewatched this uh, this last night, and it was so it was not the, like most of them. It wasn't the first time I had seen it, but uh, I'm really glad I watched it because there was a lot uh, of stuff that happened in the middle that. Yeah, I feel like the kid on the playground would have been telling me. And I was like, really? That happened in the movie? Because, yeah, I really didn't remember it. And I think it comes from, you know, I watched this probably, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. And then, um, you know, you sort of watch the beginning. And it's like, oh, Night of the Living's Dead, Dead is on. And then you watch the last 10 minutes of it. So I was very familiar with the first 10 and the last 10 minutes. But that middle, you know, 70 minutes, I had there was a lot of gaps. And, and I actually took notes on this one. I normally don't take notes, but I took notes on this one. So be ready for that. I'm excited because so sometimes I can I look when I'm editing and I'm like, okay, I can tell Alan talked by far the least in this episode, just looking at the sound files. So we will uh, <laughs> we will we will uh, just let you talk for large portions of time on this one to make up for all the other episodes. Oh, nice. Renee, so I guess this film is not responsible for you knowing most of us, but uh, I guess kind of is because now we're doing this podcast because we know each other. So, yeah, and that's a a beautiful story. Touches my cold, dead heart. (laughs) Um, So I my name is Renee and um, I'm glad that I'm following Alan because my relationship is probably even less uh, with this movie. I can't remember, honestly, the first time I've saw it um much like alan i remember the beginning and i remember the end and i forgot i was like oh yeah there's other people in this movie like i forgot all about those other people so that kind of delighted me again to rehash that and (laughs) little karen um so yeah um i was glad to watch it again and like paul i watched uh like an eight quote hd copy on Amazon, which was much better than the one I had seen before. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's my history with this movie, or lack thereof. Well, how about you, Bill? Because I know you have probably watched oh, this man. movie more than maybe all of us combined. <laughs> I, I, this is probably the movie I have watched more than any movie. So, you know, wow. yeah. 
Yeah, and even Mario Baba. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Boy, if he directed this movie, although I love Romero too. So my relationship with this movie, the first time I heard about it was also on the playground, where a young girl was telling me about this movie, and the thing that she focused on was the fact that it had a black guy as a lead, which <laughs> she was really kind of weird about. And that was literally my introduction to racism. Oh. Now you might say, hey, Bill, wow. um, there was a lot of stuff on the news about that in the 60s. It's like, yeah, well, I was watching the Flintstones and the topic never came up. So shut up, you know, come on. Yeah, right. yeah you know, so I, I thought, well, that's weird. It's just, that's, you know, so then finally I got to see the movie on TV, which was a mind, one of the most terrifying experiences of my life because they showed mm. it at like three in the morning. <gasps> Everybody was asleep. I'm alone. I'm seemingly alone in my house houses make a lot of sounds at night you don't realize that and i'm watching this okay so this is this you're gonna think i'm making this up but when they when the scene when they're watching tv in the movie and the mm. screen is filled with the tv what the tv is showing the station showing the movie felt that they had to put on the bottom a dramatization so that in case someone like couldn't get to sleep, had insomnia, turns on the TV and they see militias going after, you know, cannibalistic zombies. They didn't think that they had stumbled onto the evening news. You know, they, they didn't so want actually, another war you actually saw situation. You actually saw that on TV? Oh, Romero, yeah. Romero, Romero mentions that in one of the like interviews I read or, or watched with him. He, he actually mentions that they had to do that. So that's funny. Oh, that you oh that's saw cool. That. See, yeah. people think I made that up when I've told that story. Yeah, it was absolutely no. true. But, you know, I mean, War of the Worlds was still fresh on people's minds back then. Mm. I don't know what year it was that I saw it. I mean, I was still young enough to be really, really scared. Um, and then, you know, after that kick, gut kick of an ending, you know, then to go to sleep <sighs> at four in the morning or whatever time it was and, you know, accidentally keep the lights on. This mm. movie this movie had a big impact mm. on my life. And, and as soon as I got a Super 8 camera, I started making zombie movies. And then many, oh. many years later, started really making movies. And uh, zombies, you know, he invented the genre with his first feature film. Yeah. He invented a genre. He invented a section of the Blockbuster video store. Oh. I, I, I don't know if there's anyone else out there who can make that claim. I mean, I guess somebody did the first Western. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's just amazing, you know, what, what he accomplished with this. And I think it's also a really well-made movie. You know, there's a reason why it's it's had the influence that it has and everything. So I'm glad we're, we're doing this and the whole series, quite frankly. Good pick. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually, it's kind of, I was going to get into that later because I was doing some thinking on this. And this is really, I mean, in my opinion, this film is up there in the world of horror with novels like dracula and frankenstein mm -hmm. just in terms of the fact that like like those novels like i mean dracula there were vampires before dracula there was the concept of sure. zombies before this movie but this these are works that fundamentally changed and shaped how we think of those mythologies and i can't think of another film that had as much single impact as this movie did so yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so I'm Zachary, as I probably introduced uh, in the in the opener that I will record after this. Uh, I can't remember when I first saw this, which is kind of funny because it's had such a huge impact on me. I know that it was probably sometime in the late 90s, so my mom always told stories about this because I think that she saw it well, when she was in college, and she 
I guess it made such an, and my mom is the sort of person, she does not remember movies. She, I think she often will forget if she's even seen a movie. She very famously, in our family, she's famous for if we go to the movie theater or back in the day, like when we were kids, we would go to the movie theater. She would just fall asleep. She would just sleep, sleep through <laughs> movies. So it was kind of funny. Like I, I knew that this movie was going to be something special because I remember her talking about it. And she had a very vivid memories of watching this, I guess, when she was in college. And she's not she hates horror. She is not a horror person. And I guess this kind of had a, a very strong impact on her. And then when I watched it, it was that was basically it for me. I was I it kind of changed my world. This isn't even my favorite film of the series. And this this was still like one of the most important movies, I think, in my just shaping, you know, what what not just what films I like, but also just what, you know, fiction I liked and what kind of stories I liked. And there are so many things that came after this that I kind of discovered along the way that was obviously like directly influenced by this. But um, yeah, so I mean, I watched this movie. I mean, I probably watched this a couple dozen times when I was a teenager. Actually, hadn't seen it in a long time. Like I was telling you guys, I sprang for the uh, Criterion Collection uh, uh, Blu-ray, which is actually the first time I've ever bought uh, ever bought I've ever bought um, anything any, any Criterion Collection stuff because I'm always like, ah, oh, so expensive. But this time I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll shell out for that and. Uh, like we were talking about, it's it's actually a very beautiful film. I think, you know, like Bill said, uh, or I guess we were talking before we started recording, but it a lot of, like, if you watched it on, especially on, like, VHS, you were probably watching a version that had been, like, gone through several transfers, and it, it definitely, I mean, it looked worse than even most VHSs did, and this is also the fact that it's a public domain movie so you know who knows you know the people who are releasing it were probably going off of some old transfer so um kind of funny to watch it now and see just how professional and like how well crafted it is which i guess we can actually go ahead and get into why that is because before we actually get into the film we usually talk about the history behind the movie and i i'm gonna kind of skim the surface on this one i'll let you guys talk about whatever you want to but this movie is so well documented. It's actually oh, kind yeah. of overwhelming. <laughs> like I said, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say this is one of the most important films in history. So there are, I, I, I think, at least three or four like feature length documentaries that have come out in the last 10 or 15 mm -hmm. years. There are, yeah, there, there are books. There are, you know, there are so there's so many resources. There are many, many Internet sites devoted to this movie and the series. So it's it's so well documented. It's almost it's one of those things where I, I feel like if, if you really want to know about it, you probably already know or, or you can go find other stuff. So but I, I will kind of mention a couple of things that are kind of interesting. So the reason that this film is so well made and this is Romero's first movie and the first feature that most of the people who worked on it uh, were involved with. But the reason for that is for about six or seven years before this movie came out. Uh, Romero and a couple of other people involved in the making of it, specifically uh, Russ Streiner and uh, Joe Russo, they were they had actually started a company called The Latent Image, and they did a bunch of commercials around. They were based out of Pittsburgh, obviously. If you know anything 
about George Romero. Like all of his movies are based in around Pittsburgh. By the way, I think I said Joe Russo, which is obviously not the right person. I think he directed the Avengers movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, John Russo, who co-wrote this movie. So, <laughs> uh, so many Russos. But yeah, so so they had started the latent image in the early '60s, and they had been shooting a ton of ads. And in fact, I think Romero actually said that they shot more footage in the like six or seven years they were just doing ad work than they did in for like all of the movies he ever made after that so you can go actually you can find some of their stuff online it's at, you can kind of see that there's some talent there they were recognized kind of locally for their work they were winning a lot of awards and they were getting kind of more and more ambitious i think one of the last ones that they shot before they actually made this one if uh you guys may have seen it. It's like a detergent commercial, but it's like a, yeah. a knockoff, a takeoff on, on uh, what the Fantastic Voyage, where there's like a little mm -hmm. submarine stuck in the, yeah, the washing it's machine. Well made, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they did all this stuff on like shoestring budgets, and they you know they they were getting recognized, and so eventually they decided to make a feature. Well, I I'd say the it was originally Night of Anubis. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, which and and good choice to change the title, although <laughs> although it ended up biting them on the ass because of some the, the copyright laws were a little different back then because Disney hadn't gotten its claws into it, and there's there were very hard and fast and really weird rules that you had if you if you made a movie and you copyrighted under a title and then you decide at the last minute to change the title and neglected to update the copyright. Boom! That's it. It it it's public domain, oh. and, and you can't get it back. And that's why we've been watching horrible prints of Night of the Living Dead because anyone, anyone, Alan right now could could set up shop and start printing out copies of the original 1968 Night of the Living Dead, Alan's version, and sell it to people, and he doesn't have to give any of these folks a dime. Oh. And I, I did that about five minutes ago. If you want a copy, contact me. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. Yeah. So, no, no, um, what I did learn like less than five minutes ago is who Anubis was. So yeah, I think that that probably was a great uh a, a good change because yeah. I don't know if I would have seen Night of Anubis yet unless I, somebody I think told they were gonna me. change it. Yeah, they're gonna change it to Night of the Flesh Eaters. I was gonna say that was the one I'd heard yeah. was Night of the Flesh Eaters. I knew, then, I knew yeah, then, that, that would have worked. I mean Yeah, but then there was a movie called The Flesh Eaters, which is actually mm. kind of a fun little movie. And they thought there might be some confusion. So someone, I don't know if anyone knows who gets the credit for Night of the Living Dead, which is an awesome title. Just a mm. great, great title. Um, but whoever did, it was awesome, but they didn't change the copyright. So I think I think it was the the distributor had changed it and they actually ended up suing them or Romero and company did because obviously mm -hmm. they lost out on a lot of money but then that company went bankrupt so they never saw a penny yeah. either way Dang. And it, it's kind of weird i really hadn't thought about this but the title it does it pretty much like can you in in one sentence can you tell me what this movie is about yeah it's yeah. a night and there's living dead it's the <laughs> night of the living dead i mean it really is it, it does sum the whole movie up night of the flesh eaters yeah. would have worked then too but the yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but see that that was the thing. I th and I, I don't know if it had anything to do with with them changing it, but it, you know they probably maybe because you know they didn't reveal because I, I was looking for these things this time. I had never done it before, but I was like, when are they going to talk about? You know, are, are these people eating people? Because it wasn't really clear if they were or not, and they actually didn't divulge that until about an hour in. 
So, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, having not having that in the title, no, you know, sort of delayed that. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, they're eating people. You know, yeah. I always imagine, you know, how they like you see those old movies and, you know, in the 1800s and, you know, somebody whips out a, oh, I don't know. A, a, a shiny mirror and you know a woman faints because it's just too much for her to take you know that, that's sort of what i envisioned it's I like 1968 you, huh? don't say flesh eaters because the women are gonna faint you've seen a movie where somebody does something that is you know it's it's like it's nothing it's like you know he takes an armadillo out of his pants and you know she just faints <laughs> you know? I think you're thinking of this as title tap. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, you know, the, we'll talk about this. This movie is, to me, the beginning of modern horror. Now, you can argue there were graphic movies before that. One of my favorites, Eyes Without a Face. I mean, there's some stuff here and there. But this is this is really the movie where we go from the classic horror and even, and even some of the Hammer stuff and everything, which, yeah, was, oh, shocking for its time because they actually showed blood, but seem incredibly tame now. Um, they were still the gothic traditional horror movies. This is a modern horror movie. There was no going back after after this. Movies I think part that, of it is because okay, no, sorry, Bill. No, no, I was just saying movies that came out at the same time seem old fashioned when compared to Night of the Living Dead. And well, because it, it seems very it seems very real. It seems grounded yes. in in a realism. It's not you know like like Eyes with That Face. I love it. It's a beautiful film. But yeah. it's it's very much a fantasy. It's very you know it's it's mm -hmm. very kind of dreamlike. This is you feel like you're watching, you know, actual footage, not a found. You feel footage, like you're watching yeah. nom footage, which you know is, yeah. is again that's that's what everyone exactly. said for a long time is that but he deliberately mean, was imitating the footage coming back from Vietnam. But I, I mean, even even cleared up, it's still like that was things I noticed today was even cr a crisp, clean print. You still felt like. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be seeing this. So it's not even like found footage. It's like, yeah. I'm someplace I shouldn't be seeing something that's, I shouldn't be seeing happen. And, and it just felt very real. I mean, you know, gritty is overused and, and, it's, and I don't think quite as appropriate, just something very realistic about it. Like this is, I think the conflict and the way people right. talked over each other and, and it just, it, it, it just felt very real. It doesn't have the tropes of traditional horror, like in a hammer movie, if, if the, the maid gets locked in the room with Christopher Lee's Frankenstein's monster, we fade out and listen to her screams. We don't know what happened to her. We just imagine it. In this one, when the little girl gets up and starts coming toward her mom with a garden trawl, we <laughs> see what she does with it. There's no pulling back. There's no fade out. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's mm -hmm. It was a gut we know, the, the The other thing here is, and this doesn't happen much, you know, you're, you're the person you're rooting for. I mean, dies. Well, they all mm. die. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it's like you know. Okay, there's this one guy left. There's one guy left. You know, in a in a classic horror movie, you know, in, in Friday the Thirteenth, you know that that girl at the end. I mean, she makes it. There's always one person that gets out. In this one, I mean, you think he's gonna get. And, and I'm I was sitting there pausing. I was like, you know, I knew what happened at the end, but I'm like, I'm like, there's like one and a half minutes left and you know he's still he's still going you know he walks to the window and boom you're i mean it's just done you know the whole movie your main character has been taken away and yeah. you know it, it, there was no you know i was thinking about it you know and it's like you know they just, just kind of and they do it with pictures i guess that was you know that's kind of like yeah. the you know running that over the credits or whatever but you know it, it's it's like 
you know, they, they couldn't really check the people. You know, the, the zombies are not like, or the, the ghouls, whatever you want to call them. They're not like zombies today. You know, when you, you know, when a zombie gets killed, you go look at him. It's like, wow, yeah, you know, he was messed up. He's been dead for three weeks and he's missing an arm or whatever. You couldn't really tell. I mean, you shot somebody in the head right after they died. I mean, they, they look. You know, a lot of sure. them looked okay. So it's it's not like they went in there and said, "Oh my gosh, we shot a guy." They they're like, "Yep, you know, it was a it was a, a yeah. flesh eater, or whatever you want to call him." And and they just drug him out to the fire like everybody else. Yeah, the, 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 the Alan, you mentioned the, the photographs, and that's I think that's one of the things that hits you even harder, right? So you don't even have a chance to sit there and, and process the fact that that he's been shot. It's all of a sudden then it just goes to those. It, they're almost like a like like um something you'd see from like a newspaper just newspaper photographs yeah and they it's look like quick... photos of lynchings is what they look like. yes <laughs> yeah which i'm sure well, yeah and it's I th yeah i think i think we'll probably talk a lot about that when we get into some of the characters and the situations um i will say there there were other obviously uh there there were a couple of things that this movie drew inspiration from the the most obvious one is actually probably I Am Legend, which I think yeah. Romero has mentioned a couple times. He was familiar with it, and he did take some inspiration from that. But ultimately, Russo had pitched a story, and they kind of developed it. And so they kind of collaborated on the final script, and it ended up being something, like you guys are saying, that really had never been made before. And then when they went in, and the way that they shot it, and the way that they put the movie together it definitely had i mean even watching it now it feels like a much more modern film than something made in 1968 so um if if we want to do if we don't have any other background or history uh we can kind of get into some of the other sections which uh sorry renee did you have something no, I'm sorry. I uh, my phone's I going off. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, so, that's that's okay. I bad. usually do um, a bit of research, and I'm so embarrassed. I actually watched a video last night, and I cannot remember a thing oh, no, that was fine. in that video. Well, I have except I have for when other... he just said Anubis. I thought, oh yeah, that was yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I have some other stuff to bring up, but it's actually kind of related. Or I think what uh, the first section we're going to do, which we're going to call the living, and this is where we're going to talk about the cast and the characters. And it's kind of interesting because you go and you look at the cast, the you, you look at the cast list for this movie, and almost all of the actors in this film either never acted again. Basically, they were not professional actors. Uh, some of them had other roles. Some of them had a couple of roles after this that were directly related to the fact that they had been in this. But a lot of the actors in this movie like really never appeared in any major films again. I mean, even Dwayne Jones, who is, I would argue, far and away the best actor in this movie, he only had nine credits to his name. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, the, the, the other thing that you'll note is a lot of them are also, uh, if you look at a lot of the actors, this movie is actually very similar to some of the movies that we've been involved with because you look at the actors, you look at the cast list, and then you scroll down to the crew list, and a lot of the names are the same. So there were a lot of people pulling double duty. Yeah. And maybe. Well, and I think I think a lot of people have probably watched this film and said, hey, we should make a movie. Look what they did, because there it is. I mean, it's it, oh, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty simple. I mean, there's there's a graveyard and there's a house. Yeah, they set a truck on fire. So maybe you got to find a, you know, a truck to set on fire or something. But it's, we've done you that. know, and, and we've. 
we've told people this before, you know, when people, you know, ask about, you know, I want to make a movie, you know, what do you suggest? And we tell them, it's like, you know, take the, take the uh, sets that you have, you know, if, 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 if you have a helicopter, great. If you don't, don't write a story with a helicopter. You know, I guess they happen to have a helicopter in this one because somebody landed one. But anyway, you know, they sort of, it, it almost looked like they wrote it around what they had. It was just a, you know, a, a, a house and, and a graveyard. And I can, I mean, I don't know if, I ever thought about this when I was watching this one, but I've seen movies before. It's like, you know, we can make a movie like this. I mean, they've only got like two sets and there's really only about, yeah. you know, seven actors and a bunch of extras. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Yeah, this is this is exactly how I tell people, you want to make a movie? Okay, here, do exactly what, what Alan says. Figure out what sets you have and now put zombies in them. Yeah. There you go. Everyone's first movie is a zombie movie. Why? Because the rules are simple, and thanks to George Romero, everybody knows them. You don't have right. to waste time with origins because they sure didn't. This movie, this movie breaks another rule too. We don't know why it happened. They throw some ideas. Might be that shit from Venus. Yeah, maybe. I guess could have been bad fish. Who knows? But it doesn't matter if the zombies are knocking on your door. The last thing you're worried about is why this is happening. You just worry it's happening. You know. So and yeah. now I, I haven't watched any of the stuff on the making of it or anything like that. But at least in my experience, you know, every time we've done a zombie movie, you know, being a zombie is fun. You know, it's a fun thing to do. And I, I don't know if I don't know if the people that were in this movie, you know, sort of had as much fun as, as we do, you know, sort of behind the scenes when we're doing things with zombies. But, you know, that's another thing about, you know, if your first movie is a zombie movie, everybody's everybody's having fun when they're a zombie. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe, well, so, yeah, you know, well, yeah, so well, the people they're eating, but we'll we'll actually get to the zombies uh, in a little bit because yeah, it's kind of funny listening to them uh, talk about some of the people that played zombies. But yeah, Bill, uh, I will say it's uh, that actually did occur to me as I was rewatching re this. It seems like any other movie of this era would like open with in a mad scientist lab or something right. with him, you know, concocting a potion or something or casting a spell or something like that. And none of that, ha and this, this, it's very explicitly, it's nothing silly like that. It's me, if there is a, a an explanation, it's something quasi scientific, i.e., right. very modern, which is a uh, a satellite bringing something back to Earth. So radiation very, from Venus or something. Yeah, but, and, and that's great because it puts us, it puts the audience in the position that the characters are going through. We're discovering things when they do. It's it's would have would have taken away a lot of the horror, uh, you know. If if we saw how it all happened, some crazy scientist blows something up and things go like that. I find this much more effective. You're putting yourself in the position of these characters. They don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. Uh, it was a brilliant move. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of people who don't know what's going on, uh, let's talk about Johnny because he's one of the, oh. the first characters that we're introduced to. And I'm a huge fan of Johnny. I know that there are some haters. Um, it's kind of <laughs> funny mean, because speaking he's of... He's got the iconic line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He has got the iconic line. And Johnny was actually... For some reason, I never realized this. Johnny was actually played by Russell Striner, who, again, he... I mean, he was the producer on this film. He was one mm -hmm. of the founders of Latent Image. And... I think he basically played this role because they didn't have anyone else to play it. So uh, he's obviously on screen for, you know, one scene and then a little bit later. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think of uh, Russ Reiner and uh, as as Johnny? And what do we think of, of, of Johnny himself? 
I thought he did a good job as Johnny. It was funny because I think I'm in a similar boat as you, but when I I was like, God, what a complainy pants guy. <laughs> He's a whiner. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Totally a whiner. But then when he like was like, Barbara, you know, he kind of starts teasing her a little bit. And I'm like, eh. like that's like a level of trolling that I can appreciate. And then, you know, and ultimately, you know, he helped her out when push came to shove. So I think Fortunately, he, he got uh, pushed and shoved into a broken. He did. <laughs> he helped her out right out the door at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That yeah. is true. But, but then they could be together forever. <laughs> she Inside wanted him belly. back. So. It, it is he's actually. Great. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah. What were you gonna say, Bill? I was, he's great. Uh, you know, sets a bit of a smart ass and everything else. And um, you know, it, it's interesting watching it. How the beginning of the movie. You, you so it, it really kind of sets you up for for you thinking this is going to be a little more standard because that's really the only part of this movie that's sort of old school horror. He's you know joking and sort of desecrating the dead and not taking the dead seriously, and all of a sudden thunder, and mm-hmm. there's a a, a a guy, a dead person coming toward you. There's no rain, but there's thunder. Like God's angry, and mm-hmm. and all that. So it kind of all right, yeah. So this is like a monster movie. And if you were the kids in the audience, apparently they played this at the matinees. Roger Ebert wrote yeah. a very famous uh, article yeah. about it. And and the people dropped them off. Well, you go have fun with the spook show because horror movies were not scary <laughs> for the most part. Oh yeah, they're for kids. You know, they were, they were yeah. a cheap thrill, but they were not really scary. And then the kids are watching this and, okay, a little spooky. Boo. Oh, look, he smashed her window. And what's, it, what's the deal with him? Okay. And then at a certain point in this movie, things got... Things got dark real fast, mm-hmm. but so Johnny Johnny kind of sets us up for uh, makes us think things are going to be a little different than what they are. And when he comes back at the end, oh, that's just that's perfect. I mean, you know, it's just brilliant. Why is he wearing that stupid glove so that we know it's him? There's no yeah. doubt it's him because yeah. of that hand. I mean, he doesn't yeah, have those his goofy glasses on by that point. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a good looking guy without the glasses, but. Yeah. Well, um, he he had kind of a kind yeah, of a funny line right before you know right before he dies. He tells Barbara, I, 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 you know, he, they put the, the little flower down, and she gets on her knees. I guess she's going to pray or something. He's like, "Come on, Barbara, save it, save it. Pray is for church, you know." Yeah, and yeah. right then, you know, he got <laughs> the, the guy kind of got it. So you in church lately? Yeah. 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 <laughs> they bicker. They actually bicker like siblings, yes, which is yes. I think pretty cool. Yeah. I was I was going to say I I I thoroughly uh identify with this scene because you know uh i think paul mentioned my older sister earlier and she used to scare the living shit out of me i when i was a kid i I mean i still have a very overactive imagination but when i was a kid oh my god i was terrified of everything and she would she would do things like this she would like she actually once told me this uh ghost story about like this dog skeleton that would come back to life it scared the hell out of me and forever after she would sometimes just turn off the lights and go dog skeleton, dog skeleton, dog skeleton. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so this, the, the whole, they're coming to get your Barbara that totally, totally resonated with me. And also like all the bickering. I mean, that's yeah, that, that, that was like a hundred percent realistic. You got off yeah. easy. I could totally imagine your sister finding some roadkill dog, burying it in the backyard for a year or two, oh digging God. up the bones and then putting them in your room. <laughs> oh my God. That is I'm, well I'm within the possibility. I think I just wasn't worth that amount of effort. I think nah, it is a lot <laughs> to a dark room and yelling dog skeleton was about <laughs> that all the works. Why go through the trouble? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. 
Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I love, I love him. I love Russ Dreiner in this movie. I, I think that obviously like, it's very obvious that he's not a professional actor. And, you know, after this, he, I mean, he was again, like showed up in a couple of movies, uh, because, you know, mostly because of his, his involvement with this movie. But, you know, yeah, I, I think and I, I, this is one of those things where you often hear people like rip on this, or at least sometimes you hear people rip on this movie for the yeah. acting, but I think it's actually surprisingly good. And we'll talk about some of the other people for a bunch of actor, for a bunch of characters that were not played by professional actors, uh, surprisingly, surprisingly good performances. Hey, by a lot of hey, them. what do you think's a higher number? Deaths from COVID or how many times Russell Striner has been asked to say that line? Oh my God. <laughs> They're probably about even right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it, I, and I, you know, it, it definitely now, it, I will say it's the sort of thing that he's, he's obviously embraced um he did sure. he did go he did go on to work with uh he actually co-wrote this story with john russo uh and and rudy ritchie who was also kind of collaborated on this movie uh but they they would go on to write the story for uh return of the living dead which is one of my favorite uh oh yeah not sequels but uh spin-offs of this series so well, it's also kind of interesting that his iconic line, maybe the, whatever he said right before that, which I forget what it is, but those are the only two lines he delivered, you know, in that voice. Yeah. Everything else was just him talking normally. But, mm -hmm. you know, when he said, they're coming to get you, Barbara, he said it in that, you know, whatever that was, that sort of that like slow type of voice. Yeah. The horror movie voice, too. He's making fun of like a horror yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's so funny that he's like making fun of, of an old-fashioned horror movie, and it becomes this iconic horror movie line. Actually, you know, the the line I love from him though is when he's talking about, uh, it was like their grandfather got mad because right. he had like he had scared. He's like, "Boy, you'll be damned to hell!" Yes. And I was just <laughs> like, "I love it because because guess what? Yeah, yeah, My grandpa yeah. was right." He is kind of a master well, of dialect, so you know, give him his props. Talking about things that I forgot about this movie, I didn't, I didn't remember like when he started tussling with the guy. Like you know, I'm like, okay, you know, they're in the graveyard, and I know this, that's where they meet the first, you know, living dead person. And I'm like, you know, don't don't they get out of this? You know, because you know he starts fighting with him, and I'm like, well, surely he's gonna beat this guy. I mean, he's older and he's he's dead, but I had forgotten that you know he kind of they kind of fall on top of each other, and he. I mean, I've always wanted not, not wanted not wanted to do this when I'm in a graveyard. Is you know, hit my head on the side of a tombstone because it's gotta hurt. Oh, mm. Yeah, it's gotta hurt. <laughs> you know, it. it never I guess actually, it can kill you too. It, it ever actually occurred to me though. That's actually kind of funny that he's kind of doing a parody of classic horror films, and then like we were saying, this is the movie that actually becomes a whole new type of horror film. So it's kind of funny yeah. that it's almost like it, it, uh, it kind of reminds me of what's the movie that has like a, uh, I think it's, Oh God, is it, is it like evil dead or something that has like a Hills have eyes poster. And they were trying to comment yeah. on oh, that. That was just a movie, but this is real. And it's kind of yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not intentional here, but it is, that's kind of an in interesting uh, kind of meta moment, I guess. I wonder why the zombie doesn't eat him or even try to eat him. He just goes after Barbara. And he's her, and he's one of the quicker zombies too. He's uh, hmm. he's a little spry. Well, yeah, that was one of the things. One of the things I noticed in this is I and I, I swear I think they sort of made up rules as they went along because they, one of the first things I noticed about the first guy was he's not lumbering. You know, he's he's not walking normal. He's not running, but he's not like that slow dragging of the foot zombie. 
And it's like, maybe, you know, later they were like, well, we don't want him to get to the house too quick. So let's slow him down. They'll kind of lumber. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and again, if, if he would have, you know, if, if he would have actually taken a bite out of him, then at that point you would have known that they were, you know, they would eat people. And, right. but yeah, yeah. I noticed that too. That was, um, but yeah, the first thing I noticed He's a was tool that user. He, he picks up a rock and tries to smash with yeah, it. Yeah, he did and, and he knew that too, actually. So, he, yeah. yeah, he knew how to use like rudimentary tools. He's like, I could take this rock and break the yeah. window. I, I do have to call time out though on the we're we are actually going to dedicate an entire segment to just talking about the zombies because obviously okay. that's a very very sure. yeah. We're, we're, after we talk about the living, we're going to talk about the dead because. Uh, and, and then we're going to do that in subsequent episodes because that's a very interesting conversation. Um, this is already beginning to smell like a two-parter. <laughs> it could be. Well, hey, let's move on. Unless we have anything else to say about Johnny other than his uh, amazing uh, driving wear. Um, let's talk mm. about, all, you know, probably the other, the other uh, main character, although it's kind of funny because you watch this movie thinking she's going to be the main, main character and then she, she yeah. turns out really not to be. Uh, but let's check about uh, uh, Judy O'Day as Barbara, uh, a, a character who is obviously very iconic and an actress that I believe Bill has almost worked with several times. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, and, and and wow, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. I mean, the first time I saw this and everything, I was kind of, I didn't really like the character too much. I mean, she's mm. kind of, you know. Mm. But yeah, but, uh, but, and, and I was like, I don't think eh, I don't think she's really acting that well here. But I've, I've come to appreciate her. For one thing, she's got one of the genuinely funny lines in the movie when she's just like rambling on about, you know, we have to get the keys. You got to. We don't have the keys. Can't get any of the keys. And they're like, wait, you have a car? And she's like, you're not going to get very far without the keys. Yeah. And just yeah. laugh out loud. She's so funny, but. I thought she, I mean, I, she was, she played the role the way she supposed to. When you meet her in person, I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting Barbara is what I was expecting. She's incredibly intelligent, well-spoken. I mean, wow. Like, like you're, you're totally impressed. She, I think she, um, she works as a public speaker or a motivational oh. speaker. So yeah, she's really, really smart. Like, the exact opposite of the character that you have here, who you know is is catatonic and in shock. I mean, for all I know, yeah, she, yeah. she was a member of Mensa, but you know, I was gonna say, I don't, I don't think the character's supposed to be dumb. I think she's supposed no. to be she's she's severely damaged. And and I like you. The first time I saw, it, well, most of the times I've seen it, I'm like, God, I hate that character. I can't wait to mm -hmm. see she, she is she is mostly useless throughout the film, but that's because she's damaged. But watching it again. Holy crap! At the uh, at the end, she yeah. when she comes to, she all of a sudden comes to when uh, what's the mom's name? I can't remember the the mom's name. Is Helen uh, um, maybe? She Karen. would when she's starting to get attacked. She's up against the door and they start breaking yeah. through. That's when she all of a sudden she gets up and she's like she snaps out of it and suddenly she's and she's she's then she's really helping and she ends up you know. The only thing she for her when she sees her brother. Yeah, that's right. That's... But I mean, but she's actually pretty. She's she keeps it together till she gets to the house. And people are like that. Like when yeah. when after when he gets attacked, she gets in the car, realizes she didn't have the key, but she tries to get it rolling. She gets away. She gets in the house. She locks it up. And I think it's it's not till she goes upstairs and sees the the devoured, half devoured body upstairs yeah. that that she just loses it. But also people do that, like in stressful situations. 
But I mean, that's the character. Hold together I mean, she annoyed together. the crap out of me for most of the movie. But I mean, that's the yeah. character. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, no, I wasn't faulting her. I was saying, but I could still like going. I I can't wait till that character dies. But you know. <laughs> And it's like, okay, it's like we can't leave her sitting here on the couch for another 30 minutes. So what do we do? We're just going to punch her and knock her out for like half an hour. Because, I mean, by that point, everybody wanted to punch her, right? I mean, maybe I'm not the only one. <laughs> right. But, you know, it tells you something about how we live in a different world. I, I don't know if people who aren't, you know, my age or maybe a little younger can understand just how revolutionary and transgressive it was to show a black man slapping mm. a white woman knocking her out mm -hmm. in yeah. 1968 oh yeah it's yeah. i mean well, you know it's, we'll, we'll it's almost to, a joke now but yeah yeah we'll, we'll get to that in a bit but uh there was one person who was very very cognizant of how that would look and uh his name was Dwayne jones so Right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. yeah apparently he had he, well he had serious reservations because apparently he was like uh like basically a pacifist but uh but yeah i think he he also had concerns about that um i don't know renee what do you think about barbara and what do you think about judy o'day's portrayal of her in this movie you know it's funny similar to everyone else the you know when you first see it you're just like oh this lady like she's the poster child of what they would call hysteria back in the day like oh just get rid of her she's hysterical um but you know she did a great job being that hysterical broken you know traumatized person and it's what I, I appreciate that it was kind of realistic you know in most movies you see somebody that gets like oh i'm traumatized but then somebody says like oh get a hold of yourself like get it together and then they do so but she was just like like she's just damaged and she's not going to pull it together anytime soon unless something happens which you know ultimately but it was a Kind of a fleeting moment but yeah i thought she did a good job of her character yeah a little bit oh <laughs> but i will say i love when she was recounting the story to ben and she like made it sound totally different like and he asked me if yeah. i was scared and i said no i wasn't scared it's like bitch yes, you're yes. such a liar <laughs> but it's, it's almost childlike it's it's like, yes. she's like she's like reverting to a little child and you know it again it, I, Time has given me more perspective on things. After watching recent developments, watching people lose their shit over having to wear a mask and filling up condoms with gasoline because they think there's a shortage, uh, I begin to realize that her reaction to zombies and the death of her, you know, her sibling, uh, okay, that's a rational reaction there. No sure. joke. Why not? I mean, who? I doubt that very many people would do much better. Yeah, oh, we we will we will definitely uh, get into the comparisons with current events uh, a mm -hmm. little bit later when we we talk about uh, some of the other characters. Um, yeah, I will say I I actually I love her performance in this movie. I think it's actually that's probably the one one of the few things I fault this movie for is I wish that it had been just a little more progressive in the her portrayal i mean she's you know by far the the female character that has like the most lines and the most screen time and for a lot of that time she is kind of freaking out i mean for all the it's been a long time i'm actually interested now to go back and to rewatch the uh the 1990 remake uh because i do I remember that problem <laughs> yeah yeah i do remember you know patricia tallman plays barbara in that movie and i remember them uh it's it's seeming like they were very conscientious of wanting to kind of change yeah. that. Yeah, I think um, they maybe went a little too far in the opposite direction, actually. But 
but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, good. I mean, I, listen, I'd rather I'd rather have more Barbara than more Judy. Let's put it that way. I mean, Judy's well, freaking. She's Judy. there. You don't even remember who I'm talking about. Judy, the Tom's girl. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. No, no, she's no, face. Just I, sitting I there. She wants to be in this movie, and they're like, "We're going to give you three lines, and then kill you off, and you're going to do something really stupid." Yeah, I love to hate the whole this, the whole conversation with the two of them, which is something like, um, I can't even, it was something really sappy. And oh God, what was it? It was like, I love you. I was I can't even remember what it was. The two of them before yeah. they went out. Right. You're talking about her and Tom. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. was just, it was it, it was like, what? What? Yeah. I mean, it she was. was there primarily just to be a. a, a a stone around his neck to get killed. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. But that's, well, no, but that's again, in, in a movie today, oh. in a movie today, she would have been there so that they could have gotten 10 or 15 more foot, minutes of footage out of somebody going off alone and getting killed. But yeah. th they didn't use her for that. She, oh, let me go along with you in this truck so I can get blown up too. I mean, it was, it was, it was very weird. If, if, if you could go through and like airbrush her out of the movie, I don't think you would really even notice much. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I, I will say, and, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this more uh, when we kind of move on to other things, but I do like how a lot of the deaths in this movie are very sudden. Like, mm -hmm. they're, they, the, the tension in this film is kind of built up throughout, but there are no extraneous scenes of someone getting stalked by a zombie and then, you know, for 15 minutes and then dying. Or, you know, it's, it's the, the tension is there. The tension is kind of built up throughout the film. And then mm -hmm. when people die, it's very, very quick for the most part, mm -hmm. which I actually really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like even when Barbara got taken away, it was just like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just, she's just whisked off screen, which is actually why sometimes it's, it was, uh, like I was saying earlier, it was kind of hard for me to remember some of the sequences of events in this movie. And I think it's partly because, because like some of those things happen and it's, you know, just like in real life, one minute you're alive and then the next minute you're dead. And there's no, oh, you know, that is how music, it works. The, yeah. yeah, the music does not swell. There's no, you know, <laughs> someone does not cradle you in their arms and, you know, cry. It's it's just, especially in a situation like this, you're dead. And then I'm uh, going to start know. a service like what? hospice. But, you know, we'll have you we'll have that moment for you. That movie yeah. moment. Oh, yeah. We'll, 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 have a, we'll have a cellist follow you around. Call your service cradle of death. Everybody will want it. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> Great you can get the cheap version with an accordion, but oh god, <laughs> oh, I'm writing up my business plan now. Cradle of death. Oh, oh well. Do we want to move on to the next character that's really introduced, and probably the character that we will yeah. spend the most time talking about? Oh. Um, of course, talking about Mr. Dwayne Jones in what I consider to be one of the most iconic horror performances of all time as mm. Ben. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say yeah. about that. Anyways, moving yeah, on. Yeah, we got one. And, <laughs> what do you... and of course, the famous thing is that, you know, people people kept compliment and, and Romero was very open about this, which kind of surprises me because, you know, I'm used to people taking credit for things they didn't really do about how, oh, yeah. he was so progressive and, and you know, how brave you were to cast a black man and tell this story, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, you know, it's he was the best actor we had. It was, it wasn't really intentional. Uh, I, I don't, you know, but you gotta wonder. I just wonder how could they not have realized that this was going to be groundbreaking? I mean, they they were 
Mm. wise to the world well I, maybe was there were, I, don't, guy. I wasn't alive in 68 but maybe every single news story at that point wasn't about doing that i don't know no i, I mean who, today i, I think is, everything is no like i mean I, I think it's in spite of what he said it might not have been intentional they cast in that way but they definitely took advantage of it because like we said those final shots are, are like you said are very reminiscent of a of a of a of a lynching and i mean you've got this redneck posse that shoot him. I mean, it's you're gonna. It's well, here's, but here's my question: Was yeah. anything in the script changed? Yeah. So, so here's here's the thing. The interesting thing is, uh, and, and I mean, I and it's kind of interesting because the yeah, the real question is, was that written in such a way that that was like what what we were what we were supposed to get out of it, or is was it written that way? And then when they cast. Dwayne Jones in the role, it all of a sudden took on a completely kind of different significance. Now, I will say, so uh, the uh, George Romero has said, you know, they didn't change anything because the the character wasn't written with, you know, any race in mind. Um, mm -hmm. However, I will say that that's not entirely true because apparently they did change a lot of the script, not because of the, you know, Dwayne Jones being black versus white, but they actually changed a lot because of Dwayne Jones being such a good actor and knowing what he could bring to the role. Because so apparently Ben was originally supposed to be a really tough talking kind of uh, rough around the edges truck driver, mm -hmm. which is not the character that we get in the movie. No. The character we get in the movie is seems uh, based on listening to people talk about him. And there are actually, I think there's only like one interview where he really talks about this movie. Um, but I mean, he was basically an academic. I mean, and everyone yeah. says, you know, he was incredibly nice, incredibly kind, incredibly kind hearted. Um, you know, he, I think he was the sort of guy who, you know, he was, a, he was an acting, uh, uh, I guess like a professor. He, you know, spoke like multiple languages and had, you know, this very kind of academic air to him. And apparently that's kind of what they did change was basing the character kind of more around his strengths versus having a character that I think like Romero said, like that would not have, I mean, he could have played that character. It just would have come off as very inauthentic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he comes across as the English professor that he really was. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, I mean, one of the things. But the thing is, is they don't really, they don't really tell you what anybody is. That was one of the things I noticed too. Like, you know, we have right. no idea, unless I missed it. I have no idea what well, he um, did. He did talk Barbara about Barbara and Johnny do. Right, he was at the truck stop, and yeah, and he got into a car, he jumped in a car to listen to the radio, and then like he saw a truck. But they never really talk about like what he was doing. And you know, the guy, the uh, the husband guy, you know, he's got on like a professional shirt and the other guy calls him Mr. Cooper, but you still don't really know what any of them do. And I mean, that's, it's kind of cool that they, that, yeah, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't need to like, I mean, they didn't need to sort of do that backstory. The backstory was unimportant. It was like, right. all of these people are here. It doesn't matter what your background is. We are sort of now thrown into this situation where these people are trying to, you know, trying to kill us regardless of what, you know, what we do or where we came from. Yeah. If we were ever in this situation for real and anyone in the house says, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, focus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so, if, if they had intended to cast someone black, I, you, I would have thought it, it would have been hard to resist 
adding an element to the rivalry between um uh, Harry yeah, Cooper Harry. Yeah. and, and right. Ben, you know, at no point, I mean, Harry Cooper is one of the least likable characters in movie history, but I, you never get the feeling that he's racist. He's just a jerk. Yeah. And well, although, although he's just caring about his family here, he was 100% right about the <laughs> yes, base. Uh, yeah, I thought yeah. about that too. And this is something I want to throw out about that, that this is where this movie, people, you know, I made a subversive movie where the heroes do stupid things. Like, that's not subversive. Here's a subversive movie. The hero, every decision he makes ends in total disaster, but they're good decisions. This is the most terrifying thing about this movie is that um, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter that you're smart and you have a plan and you execute the plan. It's all going to end in disaster. Everything, there's no hope. This is the bleakest horror movie ever made up to that point, you know? Where well, it, what, the yeah, one thing that does matter is that when you take the gas thing out of the pump, yes. you don't, like, spray it all over the place. That's the one the skill. I've seen people do that in real life, and the only thing that they're trying to do is get to the golden corral before there's a crowd. There's no, no reason for them to be so... Careless. So you're being uh, flesh-eating monsters are chasing you. You know, yeah, you're gonna, you're probably gonna press, be a little twitchy on the trigger finger there. I they might be a little bit cognizant that you're holding a, a, a torch in your hand at the same time. So. Listen, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm not being. I'm sure all you guys would be great at this. Yes, uh, you know, it's a disaster. It's it's a mess. And and he should have known that. Uh, you know, what's her name? Judy was probably gonna get her sleeve caught in the <laughs> classic in, uh, Judy. Yeah, that's that's so Judy. But you know those things back then you had to roll up the windows, you actually had a handle and you could get things snagged on it. I mean that's true. You know, yeah, everything wasn't electronic. Wait, was like it caught in the now. window? So let's not be super judgy. Her dress was caught in the window? I don't know. It was her jacket. It was caught somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? Appropriate snag. I absolutely love the line at the end of the movie where the guy's like, Oh, looks like do you say somebody had a cookout or a barbecue? I think a cookout. Yeah. Like some I was like, "Oh, geez." Yeah. Oh, and that was another thing. The um, you know, the house. I don't know about your house, but my house does not have gas pumps. But I assume this was some kind of a farm where they needed a farm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gas pumps. Yeah. Well, I I will say I I think that there is something. I think that there's a reason that I consider this film to be so iconic. It's because, I mean, even though yeah, the, it kind of ends in. I mean, well, everything ends in disaster, but. Ultimately, the when Ben comes in and, you know, we're, we're, we kind of see Barbara's panicking. She doesn't know what's going on. Really, no one knows what's going on. But he's at least making an effort to stay calm and think logically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he has a plan. He's trying to execute on it. He's uh, trying to piece together information. The, like uh, like you said, Alan, like I any other film, especially like a contemporary film, would have a moment between the action where the characters sit down and talk about their backstory. And that's yeah. always like the, the part of the movie where I like, you know, get up and get a drink without pausing the movie. Sure. Um, right. but, but in this in this moment, the, the, that moment, him and Barbara kind of talking about what's going on. They are talking about the like immediacy, like, OK, what, what did you see? You know, what happened to you trying to piece together what is actually happening, which I, I kind of love. Oh, oh, speaking of their dialogue, I think one of the things I, I really enjoy is that when he's talking about the, the 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 gas truck and seeing seeing them on it and and when he's at the truck stop, 
because it's such a great scene where he just describes it and de- you can picture it in your head. Like I, I can see that scene of the truck going by with all the things hanging off. Yeah. Of it and, yeah. And yeah. It, it, it's, you're right. It's such a, such a descriptive scene. And you sit there and I realized at this time, like, wait, I can picture that, but we don't see that. He's telling us what happened. And it's just, it's so great. Cause it gives you a better idea of the scope of what's going on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and not that- just, Oh, this one little graveyard. I, I love I love his performance throughout, but I, I think that that's one of the parts where it really shines when he has the chance to almost, you know, he had a background in theater and he was almost doing that like monologue scene. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think that that's kind of funny you mentioned that because it's one of those scenes where like sometimes I have to remember, oh, yeah, there's not actually a scene like there's that scene's not in the movie. It's just something that I have very vivid memories of because you're when it, when you hear him describe it he's doing such a good job of almost helping you relive the moment and you're kind of picturing it in your head. So anything else anyone wants to say about Ben, or I'm sure we'll, we have a lot more to say about him when we get to some of the other characters that he uh, interacts with. Well, just one more thing about Dwayne Jones is it is a shame that, you know, uh, in terms of his career, like the only, the only other role that I, like really know him from is Ganja and Hess and yeah, which is an amazing movie of its own, but is is definitely lesser known. I mean, it's it's well known among people who love horror, but it's it's definitely not as well known as say this. Yeah. And, and then I, I I'm not really even sure what else he has he did. Um. And when did he pass away? Because he died fairly young, didn't he? Yeah, he died uh, in '88. He, he was 51. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, he was he was super young. Uh. So he I mean, he was also like he was not interested. I think in being a professional actor. I think he was not embarrassed, but he actually kind of talked about how he didn't really want to be defined by this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, you know, basically when you're in a movie this iconic, you have two options, right? You can either uh, disavow any memory of it and hope that people don't bring it up, or you can try to cash in on it and be that guy who's like, hey, say the line, say the line. Okay, yeah, I'll say the line. Give me, you know, for $50. Uh, he he was definitely the former. He, he was the sort of person who he was not, uh, he was, it sounds like he was a very low-key guy. And yeah. so he didn't want people to like be recognizing him and treating him like uh, basically like a, a, a star. Right. He he wanted to basically live a quiet life and, uh, you know, go about his business and and teach acting and not be the, the guy forever known as. Oh, yeah, that's Dwayne Jones. He was he was in Night of the Living Dead. He didn't tell his students that he was in this movie, whereas if I were in anything half as good as this, I would have it tattooed on my forehead. It would be the first, literally <laughs> yeah. the first thing I would say to anyone who met me. Oh, that, that's the that's the impressive thing about him, right? Because, yeah, I mean, I would totally cash in if I had if I had been in that one movie 20 years ago that that people remembered. Hell, yeah, I'd be at every convention I could get to. But oh, I, I cash in on the movies we've done. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 there's money in that. I've never seen. No, no, but I mean, I, you know, I'll bring it up any chance I get. Oh. You know, sure. well, I mean, it, it's it's yeah, really interesting though, because I assume yeah, these actors have not gotten they haven't gotten anything out of this movie, right? Other than whatever they got. When they made it, nobody, nobody got anything out of this movie with copyright. Yeah, it's like more people have seen this movie than like almost any other movie you could mention. And you know, if if you looked at another movie where like the percentage of the population that had seen this movie have seen that one, you know, the actors would have made millions of dollars. And it's like, how much did you make off of this? Oh, nothing. And you, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah, it's oh. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, and it's. I mean, did he watch the movie? Because it's like he. I mean, apparently, he, he never saw. He never actor. watched. 
He never he watched any of Romero's other film. zombie it's like, movies. It's like you should want to be remembered for maybe not the movie, like, oh, I don't want to be remembered for, you know, a horror movie. But as far as your acting performance, it's like, this is a great example. He should have used this in his classes. I know they didn't have VCRs back then, maybe, but, you know, yeah, that's the, you know, you that's the thing. Back, back then, people, actors would make these movies to get a little bit of cash safe in the notion that they'd soon be forgotten and turned into guitar picks. Um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these off-Broadway actors would make porno movies thinking, yeah, but no one's going to see this. And then video came along and that was that there go their chance of being governor of Virginia. So, you know, it it probably wasn't that big a deal to him. Just a chance to do some acting and a little thing that no one's going to see. And even less people are going to remember. Well, yeah, I mean, when when they were making this movie, they there was there was literally no way they could have guessed how big it would be, even if it had been moderately successful. I mean, this was a yeah. like I like I said, I mean, this was a movie that was so independent that most of the people who were acting in it when they weren't in a scene, they were behind the camera doing something like this was ultra. I mean, it, they did raise some money. I mean, it had like a budget of like one hundred and fourteen thousand dollars, which in nineteen sixty eight was you know, more than it is now, but it was still a fraction of what a Hollywood movie cost. So no no one had any reason to think that it would become one of the most important films in the history of the genre. Um, but yeah, like you said, Bill mentioned, he he did, like, uh, there's there's an interview with him that you can find, um, it was like right before, I think, uh, shortly before he died, and mm-hmm. they asked him that, and, and about, uh, you know, seeing the other movies, and he was like, yeah, I've never, I, he, he'd watched, he'd watched this, but he said, yeah, I've never seen any of the other uh, Romero uh, zombie movies. I wish he'd done more stuff. He is good in Ganja and has a strange little movie, but um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, he's definitely the sort of person, man. I, I wish, I wish, uh, even though he didn't like to talk about it, uh, right. you know, I, I wish, wish we that you could have talked to him. It. You could have met him just as a human being because he just sounds really interesting. Right. Um, like one of the other things, I mean, this is the sort of person he was. He, he mentions, uh, in, in this, in this interview you can find with him that there was a, there was a moment in the production where I guess they were getting ready to shoot something. They were in the house. And like this butterfly flew in and landed on the the wall and everyone was just like sitting there staring at it. And then he like someone he said, like, I, I guess as a joke, like smashed it. And he talked oh. about how how upset he was at that. And I mean, that's one of the things that he remembered, like he like 20 years later, he remembered yeah. this butterfly because he was like, oh, it was so beautiful. And then someone smashed it. And yeah, and yeah. he was really well, upset about that. So. That? That's oh, yeah, some yeah I, asshole, also, but... I also heard a story. Um he was driving back after they shot some of the scenes with the crowbar where he's killing some of the zombies with the crowbar. He and one of the actresses was, were driving back and some, uh, some punks in a pickup truck or whatever were kind of following them, waving a crowbar out the window, I guess. I'm like, dang. Yeah. So there you go. That was, they saw the movie or after they shot the scene. No, just because they saw a black guy driving around, uh, you know, with a woman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I thought you meant they had seen the crowbar. No, no, no. no. Crowbar. No, it was just no, a no. Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, in, in Pittsburgh. And yeah, basically, <laughs> he, he's no, no. And I mean, I don't mean that in a funny way. Like, this was, he mentions that they, they, they peeled off when, when they got to a certain neighborhood. And it was like, but yeah, that, that was, uh, he, he tell, I think he, I think he, uh, he also told that story in that, that interview. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean it's it's again it's like it's very hard to talk about this movie and not talk about the significance of of him in the role and I mean it's it's also like 
it's one of those things where even if there there was no intention behind casting him and i mean it's like it's one of the, also like you you watch his performance and you're like okay yeah i definitely believe george romero cared nothing about anything but his yeah. acting ability but it's it's just it's just like it's just because of when it was filmed and when it was released and the things that were going on it's just in i mean it's like that was the first thing we we, we even started talking about right and it's like still to this day it's like it's such an integral part of it even if there was no purpose behind it whatsoever just because of the the the, right. the era of history that this came out in and yeah like like i was saying earlier like he even i think uh i think it was george Romero who was talking about how like a he didn't want to film a scene where he was hitting someone just because he's he was mm -hmm. super nonviolent. but then b he did like i think mention and i think like like maybe one of the one i think it was someone was talking about how like yeah we didn't even think about it until he mentioned like yeah it's it's you know, certain people will be will not like the fact that you have my character hitting a black woman or a, a white woman. It's funny, though, because I think who was it that mentioned about the uh, I think it was Paul who mentioned about like the people reacting to that. And it's like when I watched this the first time, like I, it, it didn't occur. Like I had no notion of that. I, all I saw was him. It, I All I knew was like Ben. Oh, man, he's such a great character. I love this guy. I wish this guy was with me in the zombie apocalypse. And it was only, you know, years later that I started, uh, you know, understanding about the significance of it, that yeah. you start to put it into context and then you start thinking about it. Like we were talking about, like, yeah, it, even if the ending, even if the scenes that, that follow weren't rewritten, they do take on, it's, it's, it's impossible not to look at them in that lens. When I saw the hitting thing. It didn't, it didn't react with me at all because that was such a cliche by that point, you know, the, Someone's hysterical, you slap them, and they say, thanks, I needed that. Yeah. Now, I just want to add, in real life, they don't say that at all. They call HR, and there's, a, like, all kinds of problems. But, uh, yeah, just saying. Yeah. I, I cannot go, I cannot speak any further on this, yeah. Sounds like you speak from experience, Bill. <laughs> um, but because of, the pending, because of the pending lawsuit, we cannot say any more, so let's move on. Well, hey, which... Uh, we're, we were eventually introduced to a bunch of additional characters who were in the house and we didn't realize it. And this is where the uh, real meat of, uh, no pun intended, some of the <laughs> conflict in the movie comes from. Who, who do we want to start with? Out of the, oh, let's, the... let's start with the top. Come on, go to the top. <laughs> Harry Cooper. Okay, Carl the Hardman man. as Harry Cooper. Who, by the way, I, I uh, first of all, he also produced this film. Uh, he, he was actually... Uh, this was uh again like a lot of the character or a lot of yeah a lot of the actors were either knew each other or were related he was actually married to uh marilyn eastman and he had a, a sound recording business with her also the uh father the real life father of uh kira sean who plays the the little girl sounds like a really nice guy because he's mm -hmm. he's on one of the commentary tracks that i listen to sounds like <laughs> sounds like a really nice guy I mean, but he played a great jerk he oh, played a great jerk Apparently, this was purposeful. They mentioned that because of Dwayne Jones, like how he played Ben, they actually made a conscious decision that Carl Hardman would go way over the top uh, just to to have like that even more of a contrast between the two. I love this guy. I mean, I mean, I, the character is so low. I love to hate him. <laughs> yeah, you love to hate him, and and yet we everything yeah. about him. He's bald. He's he's you know hey. short. He's pugnacious. <laughs> yeah. He smokes. Okay. Yeah. 
No, I mean, but you know the thing. The thing about the character, though, look after after what we've seen this past year, it's completely believable. Yes, I, I can see no. this man. He has got his daughter who is injured, and and when you have a child that is hurt, you are a dick. I mean that yeah. that's how it is. And I've been that way before. When you have a child that you think is injured, you're going to be like, "Fuck you, people!" This is the most important thing in the world to me. So it's actually really believable that he's like that. And like we said, he was right too. You know. He was- Go, we go in the base. We need to be in the basement. This is the safe place. This is a defensible position. I've got a child who's injured. I've got, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, he's, yes, is he selfish? Yes. Oh my God. But have we not seen that this year? Have we not oh, seen that slow. this yeah. week? That uh, people look, are, uh, yeah, are we've, we, it's been a bad day. My daughter's been hurt. I'm stuck in a loveless marriage to a shrew. Uh, yeah, he's got all <laughs> kinds of issues going on here. But the, the problem, the thing that makes you hate him, that, you know, just makes him irredeemable is when they're down in the basement and he's like smoking a cigarette. He's like, yeah, that's right. They'll come crawling back here. They'll be <laughs> begging to come down here. And you know what I'm going to do then? I'm just going to say, who is, okay. Yeah. You could just, this guy's a dick. He's no, that, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it was, it was funny watching this. Uh, oh, sorry, Paul, are you going to say something else? No, I was just laughing out that. I mean, but I, I did. I just want to say that some of his behavior—not that I'm defending it—but it's it's completely believable because we see that behavior. We see people who are, yeah. who, who are just like this is this is it. I'm. It's it's. We say it's over the top, but you know when we're seeing people fill up garbage bags with gasoline, <laughs> I don't think it's all that over the top anymore. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing: this this character, this this character, and the situations that he kind of creates really really frustrated me as a kid and that was because i was like oh this is so unrealistic of of course people would work together you know ben has his shit together of course you'd work with him and then rewatching it now oh my god this is this is absolutely every guy out there who refuses to wear a mask at kroger and refuses to get a vaccine and (laughs) refuses to you know like you said it fills up 20 barrels of gasoline Uh, this is this is that asshole and and it's funny though because like he's like it there there are certain things i i do kind of like the fact though that he's not played there are a lot of unlikable things about him but they don't do they don't do the shorthand thing that i think you mentioned earlier uh bill they don't do the short, shorthand thing where they you know they have him say something racist or something it's like oh right. yeah, yeah okay mm-hmm. he's a bad guy they they yeah technically you could say that okay yeah he was he was worried about his daughter although i will say if they had if they <laughs> yeah everyone's saying that he was right and they they would have survived i think they still would have died down there because his daughter turned into a zombie and killed two people but uh i i do love yeah, the well, fact that that's they practically yeah well no i mean he was he was already <laughs> well, dead but but yeah, the and the mom just sort of took it like you know a chump. I mean, look, I, I love my kids, but if they turn to zombies, nice knowing your girls. And look, and, and I would expect, I raise them to do the same. If if it's me who goes zombified, you know, listen, just, yeah, just say close your eyes and whack me hard on the head with a shovel. I like that some families have like fire safety plans and you have a yes. zombie safety plan. Have a zombie yeah. plan yes. yeah. well, right from the beginning, I don't know how well it came across in the black and white, but they, did you know he had like a big bruise on his head? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Love, I love that. It's like, you know, because like I said, they didn't give the backstory, but he's starting out with a bruise on his head. So, you know, he's already been through something, but I didn't, I didn't his really big get Big old bald head. I don't, look, I don't <laughs> want to keep harping on the bald <laughs> thing here because I can, I'm just saying, that is that's just code. That's just a shortcut 
let, let me put it this way. They were never going to cast the bald guy as, as uh, Ben. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not going to happen. But the thing that I got from him wasn't really that, I mean, it, it was like that he's like, I've got this idea and I can't let go of it. It's yeah. like, you know, we're in the basement. It's boarded up. We're going to do that. Because to me, it was like, it's like, obviously it's better to hang out upstairs at least until the zombies get in because you're you boarded yourself in that basement and it's like you know i mean you don't yeah. even know what's going on because the, what, what the you house were talking catches about on the, fire yeah the the funny line about the keys well the other funny thing was you know when they finally come out there's a radio it's like you've been in the house didn't you, what, you just run to the basement i mean I you think so, yeah. a radio or anything i mean it was a radio that that's how you can tell it's a 1968 movie. There's actually a radio in the house, like the kind of radio you would sit around with the whole family and listen to the happy story of Fibber McGee and Molly or something. It just ludicrously old fashioned. The, the other thing is like in, in movies nowadays there, it's weird how, you know, it's they, like they, they didn't tie up the loose ends that we didn't need, like the people's backstories, but they did tie up some other things like, Today, people would have gone into that farmhouse and nobody would have been there and they would have never told you why the people weren't there. Here, it was very obvious. They went upstairs. Oh, my gosh, she's on the floor yeah. dead and her face is, yeah, I don't know if it's been eaten or it's withering away. So it's like it's like they tied up things that they don't normally tie up and they didn't go way out of their way to do it. They just, well, she's dead up there. So, yep, that's why, you know, that's why, why didn't she open. come back as a zombie is my question. Why did that corpse upstairs I, I not right? Well, see, I think what it was is she had a bunch of cats, like 10 or 12. Oh. And they, you know, she probably tripped over them and fell, and they ate her face off. And all that happened before. Um, oh, she was dead the before the zombification. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, see, I took it as a zombie had eaten her face off. But. The, the, the other thing, I think you kind of touched on this, Bill, but the other thing I love about mm -hmm. the, the this couple is I love how the, the uh, Helen, the wife, is at one point he's like yeah you just have to be right about everything and i'm like damn like no um, i like the i like the i like your line of what is it, it just just because we can't live together well she says it like just because we can't live together doesn't mean we should i can't I, something about dying together yeah, yeah. so yeah. she's been rehearsing yeah. for a long time and found the right <laughs> moment for it yeah yeah now, Marilyn Eastman, who plays Helen Cooper, like I said, was uh, married to uh, Carl Hardman. Uh, I do, you know, she's not she's not the best actress. This was like, I think she was in a couple of other movies, but, you know, she was not an actress by trade. But I think she actually has a pretty decent performance in this movie. And I do love the the dynamic between them, which was probably due to the fact that they were actually married yeah. in real life. And she was also one of the makeup artists on the movie. Yeah. So Karen was her stepdaughter? Uh, so I, I'm a little confused. I was, uh, and you know, I don't, uh, my, my research on this went, didn't go beyond IMDB, which is now the most mm. unreliable site in the world. But um, mm. because it says that, uh, yeah, it says that, uh, that sh the, the girl was Carl's daughter, but then it says that sh uh, Marilyn Eastman was the godparent of Kira Sean. So, I don't know. Maybe his wife died and she was a family friend and they married. I don't know. Yikes. It is a mystery. I should have done if if I had done any more research, it should have been on that relationship because Absolutely. I don't quite understand how that works out. <laughs> we'll do a follow up episode that's just dedicated yeah. to the Carl Hardman, Marilyn Eastman dynamic. <laughs> um, do we have do we have anything else to say about her? Or I mean, she's great death. I love I love yeah. her death. 
it's so it's it's where the film kind of it kind of gets a little you know up to this point it's been super hyper realistic but there it kind of goes off the rails where her her screams turn into these distorted electronic seagull effect and the stabbing and everything her her reaction doesn't seem to be quite in sync with the stabbing but it makes it work it just seems surreal and, and well the other a, thing cool death. the other thing that nobody really mentioned was you know nowadays in zombie films the zombie is not going to attack you with the trowel it's going to eat you and, right. and yeah. she actually used a weapon to kill her which i thought was cool mm-hmm. yeah the thing i love about that scene though is it seems way more graphic than it is and i think it's because yeah. of the sound effects yeah because yeah. the sound yeah. of, they have that like meaty stabbing sound effect you don't actually see anything other than the blood splattering on the wall but would you it, call it squelching yeah, it could uh, uh, yeah, yeah, approaching. Yeah. But you know, one thing you do see is you see the when you're when you're looking at the at the mom, you're seeing the shadow of the knife coming down. Yes. Yeah. You're not oh, yeah. seeing it actually hitting her, but you're seeing the shadow of the knife, and then they're cutting to the old knife, the trowel, and then you see the trowel in the air. And you see so they they do that cut back and forth. So in your mind, you're seeing her stabbed with it. Yeah. And then covered in blood. This was another thing where I I had made an original note and had to go back and, and edit it because one of the things I had I had written down was that the uh, sort of like the lack of sound effects that you see in other movies. So one thing, and I was really glad they didn't do this, but when when uh, Barbara picks up the knife, you know, it doesn't make that sound that you know apparently every knife in everybody's house makes when you pick it up. That like, yeah. you know, where you know you're about to kill somebody. <laughs> Right. It was actually realistic. The other thing that they didn't they didn't really play up was the first time that uh, Ben had to kill. It, it was how I said like how they like it's like they looked at this and they said, okay, next time we're going to do it a little different. So the first time that he had to kill somebody with that crowbar, I think they actually put him on top of the guy and said, hit the ground next to him because you you could tell that he wasn't coming down where he would actually hit the guy. And it yeah. just kind of made like a thud, like you actually would hitting the ground with a crowbar. Now, the next time that he did it, it's like, it's almost like they had looked at that and said, okay, next time, don't get on top of the guy. You just beat the ground and we're going to add a little bit more sound effects. So it's kind of like the sound effects that weren't there in the beginning were there in the end. It was, I don't know, I found that really cool about this because it, even if it wasn't the case, it's almost like they they watched the first half of the film and they they sort of said we're gonna we're gonna do this in the second half we're gonna make these sound effects i don't know i don't know if anybody else got that or not i mean it's maybe bill because bill's seen it like 30 times i'll, but... look, I'll be looking for that now yeah yeah my, my guess would be i mean they, they, there definitely isn't a ton of like foley in this movie and my guess would be because they just didn't have the budget for it I mean, they, they didn't... I guess it would also depend on what version you watch. You know, there's 4,000 versions. I guess if somebody thought, hey, that knife should make that swing sound, you know, I guess somebody could have added it into, uh, you know, version, you know, 87.4. Yeah, well, I mean, if you... The, the, the thing that kind of amazed me that I had never realized before, because I love the score for this movie, and the, the score was entirely library music. They oh, did yeah. not have okay. or, any original compositions for it's, this movie. It, it's yeah, and that's, I made a note about. I made a note about that. I, I, the, the music was very effective, but it was not complex. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked what they did with it, but it, it was by no means complex. One one of the worst movies ever made, Teenagers from Outer Space, has pretty yes. much the same soundtrack yes. as this one. Yep, and it's kind of yeah. It's funny that you can kind of compare the two because 
uh, the some of the most effective music in this movie to me is really the really kind of uh like the i think they actually use some themes that were supposed to be from like for sci-fi movies so like at the beginning like the almost like echoey repeating like dun dun where like they're just driving to the to the graveyard yeah. and you hear that very kind of minimalist score and to me that actually does a huge amount towards like setting the the tone of the movie yeah, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, apparently uh, that was all George Romero just going through, or, or I think he was, um, I think someone else worked with him to kind of go through all these like libraries and basically pick out a bunch of music. Uh, and and they didn't even like edit it to the movie. They just used the, uh, like each each cue uh, like in its entirety. So, and then they kind of just figured out how they, how they could fit the music in there, which is pretty impressive. And again, that's like, hey, you can make a movie and you can just use library music. Like, We've done lots of times. Yeah. Yeah. And I, also, <laughs> you mentioned the editing. And this is, I mean, George Romero basically edited and shot this movie. Uh, and a lot of the editing, I mean, he knew how to shoot and edit because he had done so many commercials. Uh, and I think it's, I think that the editing in a lot of these, these scenes actually kind of goes towards creating the, the tension but it also goes towards like the 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 way that the movie shot also goes a, a long way towards kind of setting the the scene, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, do we want to talk about uh, my my favorite uh, on screen couple, probably of all time, oh, oh, uh, yeah, Tom and they, Judy? <laughs> uh, they are Hepburn and Tracy. That's right. They are. <laughs> oh, Just man. two young kids in but subversive because. Those two yeah. young kids in love, that stupid conversation they have is the conversation that every boring couple that survives in horror movies has, and these ones did not survive. Mm -hmm. They died horribly, and then their bodies are desecrated. It's You couldn't have a more miserable ending than what these two had. They're barbecued. So they, yeah, yeah they are literally. Crispy crittered, yep. Apparently yeah. it, was, it was roast ham covered in chocolate syrup. That they when the, when the zombies were eating, and they said, oh, they, they, they said it was so disgusting that a lot of the zombies were just like, oh god, yeah, yeah. That well, sounds like it wouldn't be too bad, but you know, it doesn't sound horrible when you describe it that way, unless unless they forgot to keep it on ice or something, which is a but story you keep hearing from these low budget movies. Ham, ham doesn't forever. go bad. <laughs> ham doesn't That's go bad. That's true. Ham doesn't oh, go boy. bad. Ham doesn't go bad. It was country ham. That's why it's in the Bible. True. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I will mention I will mention that that Judy is played by Judith Ridley, who was only in one one other movie, which was George Romero's follow up to this. Uh, There's always Vanilla, which is one of his few movies that I haven't seen. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's never a great uh, sign when an actress plays a character who has her name, because that usually means it's like, OK, she 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 doesn't remember. It's like, so uh, what are you thinking, <laughs> Sally? What? What? Oh, that's me. Yes, Sally. Yeah. I'm Sally. Okay, we're just gonna call you Judy. Yeah. Um, Apparently, though, she she did continue to work in show business. Uh, she worked as a food dresser for commercials. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, hey, you gonna go you know what? She may not have been the greatest actress in the world. The character wasn't the best written character in the world. Still, she can for the rest of her life, she can tell everyone she was in Night of the Living Dead. So shut up. What about yeah. you? Well, and she obviously learned from her mistakes because apparently she was putting chocolate syrup on ham in this movie. She must have gotten better <laughs> at, her, at her food dressing. 
Hey, chocolate uh, syrup is awesome blood if you're making a, a black and white movie. I mean, it's what Hitchcock used in Psycho. And if it's good enough for Hitchcock, it's good enough for anybody. Chocolate syrup looks great. Remember, I told you guys I watched the colorized version. It's like oh, yeah. God. they decided to <laughs> they decided to leave most of the blood alone for, for whatever okay. reason when they colorized it. Most of it was still brown. Um, it, it, it never really got that red hue. It's like it's the one thing they were going to remain true to. We're going to keep that chocolate syrup. When when Ben, well, the colorization was very, you know, this was probably one of the work, one of the first yeah, ones that was colorized. Right. And they were kind of, well, you know, it's not good if you were getting a grade on it, but it like worked. It's like, oh, it's from 68. The colors are kind of weird. The car is green. No, it's kind of kind of pink now it you know it, it things changed colors and um the uh but the most of the blood remained kind of brown when when ben hit the guy and he bled from the mouth it yeah. it was it was brown in the version i watched it was like it was like brown blood yeah that's that zombies brown blood the, the one good thing about the colorized version i believe that the uh the folks who made the movie actually did get a cut of the colorized version that's one of the reasons why they would sometimes colorize these movies is to, okay, maybe the, the movie as a whole has a copyright. Anyone can make it, but the colorized version is only by the folks who, who did that. Particular. You, you can't make a copy of that and sell it. Same thing for the remake. The remake was mostly for folks to finally get paid. Well, it may also shock everyone to find out that Tom, who was played by Keith Wayne, uh, Keith Wayne... Uh, never ever acted in another film again after this. What? He became a. Did you watch the movie? I mean, he's, he's he became a chiropractor and moved to Cary, North Carolina. Yeah, where oh, he sadly. Did he really? uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he he killed himself in 1995. Yeah. So, oh, oh, that's sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, that. I mean, oh, wait, he, no, was he, he was he? Oh, go ahead. Becoming a chiropractor during this because he was probably mid twenties, right? <laughs> No, he wasn't becoming. No, no, no. I think I think he moved later. He was actually a musician when they shot this. Uh, I think I think he had played in some like local bands, and some people knew him uh, kind of through his music, which is why he got cast Ooh. in this. Uh, I will say, I mean, uh, probably the worst performance in the entire movie, but he seems like uh, a pretty nice, nice, likable guy. So. I uh, yeah, can't can't sad. ding him too much. And then, yeah, they, they have, you know, one of the stupidest, most iconic deaths uh, where he apparently doesn't know how to work a gasoline pump without spilling gasoline all over the place. But I can operate that truck. No sweat. That's what he said. <laughs> no sweat. I just can't put the gas. In. <laughs> yeah. I like I like, it. I like how they, they found the key. And reasonably enough, again, Ben's plans are perfectly good. They just don't work. The key must fit the gas thing. Then they get out there and the key doesn't work. Although I kind of wonder, are they just panicking? I think they're just panicking because it was. I think they're just panicking because the there have been times I couldn't get into my house with my actual house key. So you know, <laughs> right? But did you have your key labeled house? My house. They said the key is labeled gas. What well, else would panicking. it be? He's panicking. So <laughs> they, they didn't oh, have much time. So. so Paul's idea is that it might have actually fit. They just were panicking. Yeah. Okay. They were yeah. panicking. They probably had to re put sticking the wrong end in or upside down. Or, you know. 
<laughs> well, I, I will say my my uh, my backstory for Tom is that he's actually from New Jersey, so he had never pumped gas before, and ergo did not know <laughs> oh not to God. fill it all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and he, could, he didn't know how to make left turns either since he was from New Jersey. I don't know. R Renee, you, you, do you have anything to say about the iconic romance of uh, Tom and Judy before we move on? It was beautiful. It's how I base all of my relationships. Um, uh, what, you try to die in a fiery auto fire? I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I set the car on fire and I yell, get out of the car. And if they don't, then it's just not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> it's good so yeah. what, what was she maybe i'm wrong what was she stuck on how did she get did she had her she hand was, in a pickle jar it was, what uh, was, it, was ja it was her jacket her jacket was caught she was she was caught on a plot hook yeah there's a deleted <laughs> yeah, scene yeah. where she had taken her dress off and when she put it back on she got it caught on the seat they didn't show no, you so that. oh one oh. thing about their death though which is really cool I, I is, is that you know, in, in other movies, it would have just ended with the car blowing up and them being dead. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. that's what we wouldn't. Have. But the fact that they go back and have the zombies go to the burned out car and eat them is just. Yeah, I think it adds to that horror and makes it oh, yeah. all the more, all the more powerful. <laughs> and then the bit at the end where, where, the, where the posse is walking by, it's like, oh, it looks like somebody had a bit of a cookout here. <laughs> I mean, but that, that goes to say that, you know, these guys have, you know, they're they're sitting. They've seen a lot of death that day yep. you know they've they've seen people who've been eaten they've so it's it's that gallows humor it just kind of fits in there so i got i gotta say i mean the militia thing <laughs> you, you got yeah you sort of these guys are just like they've seen all this they are they are completely immune to the horror it has become just a mop-up operation it, it is interesting to see to go from this to dawn of the dead where clearly at the end of night of the living dead the problem is well on its way to being solved or so they think. Yes, because yeah. <laughs> there's one thing that hasn't been made clear yet, which is, um, and really wasn't made clear in the Romero universe until um, way later. Um, what was what was the fourth one? Land, Land of, of the, the Dead. dead. Land of the that um, it doesn't matter how you die, you come back as a zombie. Yeah. Up until that point, you could plausibly believe that as long as I don't get bitten by a zombie. If I die, I'll just stay dead. But actually, no. Everyone, these militia guys, if anything happens to him, if one of them has a heart attack in the middle of the night when they're camping out, he comes up as a flesh-eating zombie. Now, once you add that to the equation, it's game over. Because now there is no protected area. You can't keep the zombies out. The zombies are within. They're just waiting to get out of you. And sooner or later, someone in your neighborhood dies and becomes a zombie and probably takes out a bunch of others. And then we're off to the races. But yeah, at the end of the night, Living Dead, it looks like we're winning. We're fine. We're just, they're slow. They're stupid. Beat them or burn them. They go up quick. The one thing I don't get about the um, militia is when they're in the house watching the TV and it's nighttime. Because remember, this is night yeah. of the Living Dead. And it's like two or three o'clock in the morning and they're watching the news report. And it's daytime, and they're talking to the the the, the militia that's been. But it yeah. seems like it only happened a day before, right? That does then, seem a little. The timing's yeah, that's like an absolute continuity error. They had several of those. Yeah, it was kind of like I was like, uh, all right, we'll just say there, it's there like day for night. When it first turns night, they're, they're in the yeah. house, and she looks outside, and it's and it's daytime. And when they cut outside to the guy that's lumbering around, it's it's night. So yeah, there's some. <laughs> There, there's, there's some really nice issues. 
Now, the other thing, since you brought that up, um, they, okay, it's a, it's an inconsequential, well, the part I'm talking about is inconsequential, but there is a scene where they're doing the reports and they have got the clots with the different time zones on the wall. Because when I saw this, I was like, ah, maybe yeah. it's in California. But then it's like, no, they said this started on the East Coast and was spreading. The clocks were absolutely correct throughout the whole thing. It was quarter to nine in like, uh, I think Pacific, the Pacific time on the clock. So that means it was even later on the East Coast. So yeah, those those day scenes, yeah, they they should have been night. They really yeah. should have been. Um, the uh, what, what what other do I have? Oh, trivia question: Who knows what date, what month and year was the calendar in the house? Oh, I think no it was clue. like sixty-two, wasn't it? December of 1966. Oh, 66. So they didn't actually talk about about, like what year this took place in, although you assume it's in 68. So the only thing that was running through my mind, because I wanted it when I saw that calendar, I was like, oh, I got to go back and see what it is. I just sort of theorized. I was like, oh, maybe that woman's been dead for two years, you know, in the house because she didn't she didn't flip the calendar. I don't know. Anyway, the the Hmm. things you see when you're taking notes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I will say the the uh, we'll, we'll actually get into the house a little bit later, but there there's some impressive. I think the set dressing in this movie is actually pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is there anyone else we want to talk about? I, I can think of one other actor. Uh, are there any other characters that we want to touch on before we move on to uh, zombies? Hmm. There. Well, there's there's the uh, the militia guys. I don't know. Is he the sheriff or? Uh, yeah, there's there's the sheriff, and then there's uh, uh, all all the other uh, militia and the new, guys and the there's, news guy, the news I like guy, the newscaster. Yeah. He's fun, the, you know, yeah. because he 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 makes it legit. Because w- when he does the whole thing, it's like we've just been handed this. It appears the bodies of the recent dead are coming to life and eating the living. <laughs> yeah, he goes well. We can scarcely believe what we're reporting, but nevertheless, that seems to be what we're getting. This guy plays it straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so the thing I love about him and that so very often you have these newscasters that come off as fake and you're like, OK, we, right. we've all seen newscasts before. How can you not make a realistic one? I love this one because it comes off as very realistic, which is probably due to the fact that the uh, the newscaster was played by Charles Craig, who uh, was a newscaster. And apparently go. he apparently they actually let him write a lot of the copy that he he read on screen. So a lot of it was actually, you know, written as if it were a, a legitimate newscast. I also love the part that that, that where, you know, the, they're telling, OK, so go to these, uh, you know, stay in your house. No, go yeah. to these places. No, do, you know, it's like, OK, the yeah. CDC recommends. Yeah, I'm going to hold when the CDC recommends anything. I'm going to hold off a little bit and see if, uh, if that holds true in an hour. Well, hey, this, this okay. Is, another piece of trivia. Who uh-oh. remembers how far? Uh, what's the guy's name? The the, the chiropractor. <laughs> um, uh. Who who knows how far Tom said it was to the medical center they had to get to? Oh man, was it twenty miles? I, I don't. Well, yeah, basically, yes. I don't know why this struck me as funny, but the line was. It's about, I mean, he was very, maybe he was like a, a math whiz. He said, it's about 17 miles. 
I mean, like, okay, seven. We gotta make seventeen miles. Somehow, it's like seventeen. Is that? It's like it's like we gotta come up with a number that you know. I guess like they couldn't walk to it, but I would. Yeah, who wouldn't say? Ah, oh, it's about twenty miles. It's and about ben, seventeen and ben miles offered to, to carry the little girl. Seventeen miles. Yeah, that kid's <laughs> gonna learn to walk on her own after about the first <laughs> three, maybe. Come on. Well, the other thing that I really like about the the use of like the news and everything that it feels like a very modern approach because nowadays, I mean, this is like every movie, especially like having a real newscaster because nowadays, especially, you know, big movies, you have like a, a, a news, uh, a newscast, you'll have, you know, Wolf Blitzer will come on and be like, ah, is Spider-Man going to survive this time? We don't know. And it's like, Oh, to, to try to like lend an air mm -hmm. of authenticity to it. But I, I think that this was something that Romero also really got into in later films, the kind of that interplay between, yeah, like the media and the uh, the government. Obviously, like in the crazies, there's a lot of uh, yeah. there, the, there are a lot of themes around the the competency of the government. And then Dawn of the Dead literally starts in a a, a TV studio. So it's kind of interesting that he's he's doing that here and he's kind of using this uh you know this this realistic take on like this is what people would do they would sit around a tv or a radio and get their information there and so i don't know i kind of like that that it's a very kind of modern approach to that and i would imagine the people in the 60s and well even 70s that were before a lot of zombie movies were made that were i mean it, they were tuned into that newscast in the uh in the movie to find out what exactly was going on with these people, you know, nowadays you don't really, you don't need a newscast. It's like, oh, there's a zombie. You know that yeah. they're dead. They're coming for you. They're going to eat you. But this is all new information to people when they're watching this movie. Yeah. Right. And yeah, nowadays yeah. you have a lot of sources. Back then you had three. Well, well, nowadays, nowadays every zombie movie, if they they're trying to be clever by saying, oh, it's just like that movie, Night of the Living Dead. Right. But they don't really have that uh, that frame of reference here. The best, the best one is Return of the Living Dead, where there's they're surprised that hitting the brain doesn't do anything because that's oh, yeah. what happened in the movie. You mean the movie lied? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty clever, though. That was. Um, I will, I will well, also. The, the, oh, go ahead. The, one other thing about that, I'll bring it up since we talked about that was, you know, they they, so when Ben shoots the first zombie, you know, he shoots him in the chest or whatever. He then puts a bullet in his head and he goes down and he doesn't get up. I was like, okay, he's figured out a headshot works. Nope. The next guy nope. he shoots, he shoots in the chest. Then the TV newscast says, shoot them in the head and they will die. And where does he shoot the next guy? Somewhere in the chest. <laughs> so it's like, come on. I mean, you've, I mean like every, everything yeah. he does is pretty intelligent, but that. It's like I, they, I, I, I've said that many times about zombie movies where the people keep having to learn over and over again. Now, in fairness, most people are not great shots. So, mm. you know, it's, it's a miracle that they even hit the guy in the chest, which is a pretty big target as opposed to the head. So I don't want to get into the politics. But when people start talking about why didn't they just shoot the gun out of his hands? Because because this oh is reality, God. not that's an not episode of yeah. the Lone Ranger. They're trained to shoot oh. to the center of the mass because that's. Yeah. yeah well, and, and again, you're lucky if you hit it. Yeah. yeah, I was actually going to say, I, I think that Dwayne Jones's dad had been a police officer. So my backstory is that uh, Ben's father was also a police, police officer and he always taught him oh, to uh, aim at center mass. There you Hard go. to shake that. Uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
What, oh, what, no, I, what I like is actually sometimes oh, when the zombies get oh, we, no, we're not to the dead yet, are we? Are no, we no, no. The... There, there was there was one other actor I wanted to mention. Okay. And then yeah, we'll we'll talk about the the dead. Uh, I did want to mention uh, the the newscaster uh, who's kind of like on the ground where where they're uh, when they're yeah, going to yeah. the posse parts. The the one who's like, uh, you know, are are the are the creatures slow moving? Sure, if yeah, they're dead, they're all messed up. Uh, he was played by uh, Bill Cardill who was actually a, a horror movie host in Pennsylvania. Chilly Billy. Yeah, Chili Billy. And one thing that I didn't realize, though, uh, his daughter was Lori Cardill, who would go on to play the uh, role of Sarah in Day of the Dead. So kind of interesting. That's She's awesome. like the main the main woman. Yeah. Yeah. So I love and I love. Oh, my God. I love that scene so much. The the. Uh, the moment when I was like a uh, a young like teenager, the cool uncle moment for me was I, I told you guys that uh, my mom had like a lot of terrible memories about this movie. Well, I learned uh, uh, at one point when we were on like a family vacation and we were like on a family reunion, I learned that I had a cool aunt because my mom was like, oh, yeah, no, no, my sister loves this movie. And I started talking to her. She's like, oh, yeah, I love I love all the Dawn of the Dead. And I was like, oh, my God. OK, yeah, you're the cool aunt. But then I also had a uh, a cool uncle moment where like my uncle was there too, and he's like, "Oh yeah, are the oh zombies slow moving? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up." And it was like he quoted that that line. I was like, "Okay, you're my favorite uncle now." So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I think oh, we've talked about. Oh, go ahead. Well, when, when you no, when you said there was one more character, I thought the person you were going to mention was, um, and maybe we glossed over him. Bill Hinesman. Hinesman. He is the uh, you know the the the, the, the first, first zombie. We haven't gotten to this. And if you yet. want to, you want to talk about, talk about somebody getting typecast. I looked at his IMDb page. Um, he last did a movie in 2016. He had done not not like a lot of them, but several of them, and he played a zombie in a lot of them. Well, that I'm I'm glad you bring that up, uh, Alan, because that is a great segue to our next section, which is appropriately titled "The Dead." Well, Chief McClellan, how long do you think it will take you until you get the situation under control? Well, that's pretty hard to say. We don't know how many of them there are. We know when we find them, we can kill them. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. And yeah, nice. we, we've talked about zombies a lot, <laughs> but let's kind of recap. So yeah, uh, first of all, yeah, Bill Hinsman, uh, man, can you imagine being the guy, not just being able to say I was in Night of the Living Dead, but I was the first zombie in the history of Romero zombies. It's, it reminds me of that guy. I don't know if you guys remember uh, some of you guys, uh, the guy that called himself, and I think he had a band called First Jason. It's the kid that came up out of the water in Friday the 13th. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he says, I am the first Jason, because in the first movie, you know, there really wasn't a Jason. It was the mother. So he's the first Jason. So he calls himself yeah. First Jason. He's got a band called First Jason. But yeah, he was the fir first zombie. Yeah. Uh, that's that's yeah. pretty impressive. Now, yeah, he he kind of I think he went on to kind of capitalize on this. He was in a couple of other movies. I believe he was actually I, I want to say he reprised the role. He actually shot new footage because they released a 30th anniversary edition in the late 90s. And I want to say he they may have actually shot new footage with him. Yeah. Yes, that's but, true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I, and I, I, I forgot to look that up because I was like, I remember there being, I remember it like came out on VHS and I kind of wish I'd gone back and, and found that footage because I remember watching wow. that at one point, but yeah, uh, I've never I, seen that. I, I yeah. just looked it up though. And it does say, it says that it cuts 15 minutes from the original and replaces yeah. it 
with 15 minutes of newly shot footage. Huh. Yeah. That, that would be interesting. That was like a with, bad plan right there. Oh, well, apparently, yeah, apparently it was really weird because, like, they had him trying to replay the same zombie, which even with the makeup, I guess he looked uh, significantly different 30 years later, uh, as most people would. Um, he, well, he also went look, I was trying to look and see, like, who they reshot. Like, most of the people, so it stars, of course, you know, Dwayne Jones, and it says it's been archive footage. Everybody has archive footage next to them. Yeah. He does not, and then once they maybe they added some more characters or something, because there's yeah, a lot I of people remember. at the bottom that aren't archive footage. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I think they yeah, I think they added some some additional scenes. Uh, I believe this is like universally panned as as completely stupid, but uh, probably worth watching just for historical value. Bill Hinsman also went on to actually sh uh, shoot a couple of movies. Most notably, The Crazies, which I think is actually one of George Romero's best movies. And also 1974's O.J. Simpson, Juice on the Loose TV film documentary. So, Juice on the uh, Loose. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not making that up. So, yeah, let's talk about zombies. Uh, let's talk about The Living Dead. Where, like, we mentioned a couple things in this in this movie, especially the fact that the very first zombie uses a tool and that's actually something that's kind of brought up later and becomes like a huge plot point in Day of the Dead and Land of the Dead. Mm -hmm. um, but what do we think? What do we think are the rules that Romero's establishing here? And what are the things that we think that he kind of may have gone on to uh, retcon a little bit in his later installments? But yeah, I mean, as far as as far as this movie, you know, they established that, you know, the zombies are going to eat you. They're probably a little slower than normal. And they're all messed up. I think it's very interesting. Like I, I was, uh, I think I mentioned at the top of the show that this movie kind of set the stage for an entire genre more than pretty much any other film in history in terms of just like straight horror. And it's actually amazing to me, like how many of the things in this movie get carried over to the, the genre as a whole. You have slow moving zombies. Yeah, some other movies have done fast zombies and you know I'm actually okay with that. I know some people aren't. Uh you have the fact that they they eat flesh. Uh you have the fact that if you die you come back as one. You have the fact that if you get bitten you come back as one. You have the fact that you have to shoot them in the head to kill them. All of these things are like canon. After this movie, all of a sudden this is now can this is this is what uh what defines a zombie. You also, you also have the horde nature of them, the fact that they're a horde. You right. know, I mean, they, that's, they, that's they the thing. It's not just one other. or two zombies. They, so they're interesting. They, they're not can, they're not true cannibals because zombies don't eat zombies, and they, they somehow are able to distinguish uh, human from zombie, which is interesting. They, um, they do horde, but they don't really work together. They're just independent. They're like alligators. You know, they'll, they'll hmm. work together to tear you up, but they don't really care much about each other. I think one thing that changed was that in subsequent movies, the direction of the zombies became more uh, coherent. It seems, I, I'm not sure everyone, all the zombies are on the same page. Because some of them are actually <laughs> moving pretty quick. Yeah. When they're chasing after the flaming, the truck and everything, they're they're really kind of running. Some of them, they're they're moving fast. And, and some of them are a little too alert. There's that, particularly that one kind of, ugly guy with a big head he you know he looks more like he's he's uh james arness in the, in the, the thing um but you know in, in the other in the later movies they're more vacant because they're also more dead 
You know, yeah. these guys are fresh. These guys are at most a day old. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them, yeah. I mean, they come from a graveyard. I think the other thing is, um, yeah, when someone... I don't think any, I don't think anyone actually dug out of a grave, though. Well, the they... first guy, I figured the first guy in the graveyard would have, but actually, one of the things I noticed in terms of them, the one of the things they react with, you were talking about, sometimes they react. A lot of them, when they get shot in the head, they grab their face. Do you notice yeah. that? Especially towards oh, the end, they're yeah. like, oh, my face. Or like, I'm like, really? Okay, I guess that's, you know, hey. Well, that's a good way to hide the blood tubes that you have, you know. In your that's true. Wrist. Or yeah. lack thereof, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, so yeah. what I was saying is they mentioned in the newscast that it was only non-buried uh, dead that were coming back. Recent, recent deceased. Well, no, not even not even recent. If you had put them in the ground, they weren't coming back. Maybe the ground blocked the radiation they were talking about. Really? I don't know. But well, yeah, they, 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 that they was one of the things they, in the newscast. Yeah, Alan's right. They say the unburied dead. But, well, that would be fresh dead. I mean, you know. Yeah, the recent dead. Lying around. Yeah, oh, really? Well, because like, the yeah. ones that are underground had a hard time digging up, I think. Two other rules that they established that I, I don't really think carried forward. Well, the first one was, you know, they don't like fire. I mean, what does like fire? But, you know, in later movies, people don't normally, I guess, you know, ward off zombies with fire. But they don't like fire and... um Oh, and you you can't really and you can't really tell who is a zombie all the time. Like the, you know, the first guy, they just thought he was a guy walking around. I mean, he might have been drunk or something. But in, in most movies, you, you know, you know when there's a you know you see something and you're like, yep, that's a zombie. Here, it's like, yeah. you know, they saw that guy and they didn't they didn't know he was a zombie and he, they still didn't. You know, they were like, why are you attacking me? They didn't. Well, know by he was by dead. the time of Dawn of the Dead, it's been a few weeks, so the dead have turned kind of a bluish gray. But in this movie, they're they're really fresh. Yeah, they're but just, even the they, fresh ones in Dawn of the Dead get get kind of bluish gray. Like they do, they flying. get blue real fast. Yeah, yeah. that is kind of a weird yeah. conceit. Um, well, I suspect that the fact that yeah, the these zombies sometimes seem a little random. Uh, I think that's probably because they were basically just casting whoever they get get their hands right. on as the zombies. Uh, it's kind of funny. A lot of the zombies. If you watch the movie with the uh, the commentary, I think the commentary I listened to was like from the early to mid nineties. Hmm. Um, and you actually, so this was, uh, I think, it, I think it was Russo Romero. Oh, and I think actually Carl, Carl Hardman is on there as well. Um, but they, they basically, they cast a bunch of people that they had worked with in the ad industry. And so a- as you're watching the the commentary, they're like, Oh yeah, there's Bill, there's Jim, there's, there's Steve. Yeah. Uh, they, they basically just cast a bunch of like their, ba- their, their right. friends and family. Sure, why like, not? Like there are most uh, obviously you know, Russell Russell Striners in there as a zombie later as uh, Johnny, but there are multiple Striners uh, listed in the credits. Uh, there are a couple of other names that you see like three or four times. It's like okay, yeah, they obviously just kind of cast the entire family. So I believe even some of the people like in the uh, who are the posse at the end. My understanding is is quite a few of them had played zombies at one point as well. Yeah, yeah, it, I would be yeah, yeah, they yeah. listed them. Do we know how many how many people they had as zombies? Like what the size of the crowd was? Because I had seen some number like I'd seen some number like two hundred and fifty, and that didn't seem. Oh God, no! I know. So I'd say like more like thirty at most, but maybe two hundred and fifty total people played zombies, but not at the same time. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't remember seeing that large a crowd. I think they had maybe people that were shooting the zombies were probably zombies at one point too. Oh yes, if if you look at the right. credits, they have posse yeah. members slash zombie for a number yeah. of people. Yeah, didn't I just say that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's saying. No, it's, it's, it's also I, 
<laughs> he was agreeing with you, Paul. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I I can't find. I actually looked for this. Uh, I couldn't find any pictures to to kind of confirm. But uh, uh, if you look on IMDb, Richard France is uh, listed as an uncredited zombie. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the name, you'll remember him from Dawn of the Dead as the scientist at the beginning who goes, dummies, dummies, dummies. The guy with the eye patch? Yeah, the guy with, yeah, the, guy with the eye patch. I should have let up that. Um, so uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's uh, I guess he's in there. Um, he's also in the crazies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I love him in the crazies. We've got to talk about the yeah. crazies at some point because, yeah, his his character. I think the, I, I believe uh, just throw this out there. I believe the crazies is the linking film between Night of the Living Dead oh. and Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, you, like, oh, you mean like whatever, in universe? Uh, yeah. For whatever reason, they weren't able to actually make them zombies. But really, that's that shows everything starting to fall apart where, the yeah. you know, at the end of this one, the militia and the army have got this well in hand. And at the end of the crazies, it's gotten out of hand. It's starting to spread. They, they can put out fires, but there's more fires starting. And eventually there's more fires than there are firefighters. And then we're in Dawn of the Dead. That's, that's kind of yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I've seen the crazies now that you talk about it. Yeah, it, it's 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 uh, much less seen than uh, his, his Living Dead yeah. movies. I always thought it was just him kind of... Uh, exploring kind of similar themes and similar scenarios. Right. That's an interesting theory that maybe it's this, it's actually the living dead, but they just don't know what to call it. And so they think it's yeah. crazies. Yeah. yeah. The, the zombie stuff got in the water supply. Yeah. yeah. One of the differences between this, the zombies here and the zombie zombies in the next few movies is that that's where the zombies became characters where we have the cheerleader right. zombie and the nun zombie and the wedding dress zombie and the clown zombie. Everybody, everybody apparently dies dressed up as whatever <laughs> yeah. it was they were doing. Yeah. Don't forget, the, don't forget the uh, Hare Krishna zombie. The Hare Krishna yeah. zombie. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, and, and it makes you not want to go to here. work, right? The only yeah. one that stands out here is the naked zombie. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Since yeah. you brought her up, I'll give you my note on her. Uh, oh, boy. go ahead. I found, well, I, I looked her up on IMDb. Apparently, this is the only thing she's ever been in. And my note on the naked zombie is she actually shows up later as a clothed zombie. I don't know where she found the clothes, but she put on some kind of a nightgown. And the only thing that made me uh, recognize her is she had a very distinctive haircut. Yeah. And it's obviously the same woman with, with clothes on. Huh. Huh. Embarrassing when you show up to eat a bunch of people and you're the only one naked. <laughs> My understanding is the actual actress was a a, a local um, artist model, but uh, she oh, was posing artist her. model. That's what she <laughs> told She died doing thing. what she does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she died. To, yeah, she she was, she, the, she was modeling, and yeah, I like that theory. Oh my god, <laughs> it, it's a weird little scene because it's the only nudity in there. It's brief. And you're like, what? Did you? You're afraid you weren't going to get an R rating, so you had to stick this in there. Trust me, you, your R rating was safe. I mean, I almost got the idea that it was her idea to be naked. It was instead. It of... was apparently. Apparently, okay. that, that's what George Romero said. She just showed up and she volunteered to be naked. I, maybe she was like an exhibitionist or something. But uh, yeah, and so they were like, sure, why not? It's a very <laughs> effective scene. I mean, it's actually tasteful. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. and, so yeah. they probably said okay i just want to let you know you're getting paid the same nothing regardless yeah. of what you do 
Okay. <laughs> but you know what? It, it, it works also because it really it really shows off the inhumanity of the zombies. That here's this pretty, for at least from the back, fairly attractive young lady, but <laughs> naked, and they don't care. That's not what drives them. They have no interest yeah. in her. I'm sure they had to have more than one take. It's like, okay, zombies, stop staring at her ass, please. Thank you. <laughs> Remember. Well, and you figure, right? Because like somebody could have been in the shower, or somebody could have been asleep, and yeah. you know, they're not gonna think. Let me Someone go. Someone might have been doing a Zoom pants. meeting, whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All the people without pants walking around. Yeah. <laughs> God, if it happened now. <laughs> I'd help us. Well, yeah, there was a guy that didn't have pants. Oh, really? He had underwear, and there was a guy that didn't have a shirt. Yeah, you got to rewatch it for those. And then there's the <laughs> woman who's like her face is all mucked up, and she's trying to eat a centipede. Ew. Yeah, uh, that is that is actually uh, that is actually Judy. <gasps> yeah. Oh. She, yeah. She, uh, yeah. She. 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 she I guess Judy? just they they threw in there, and they were afraid that people would recognize. Yeah, I, I guess uh, they're. Fears were unwarranted. They were afraid that people would recognize her, but the, that's why she has so much makeup on her face. Okay, now I watched the colorized version, and they colorized yeah. her hair different than they did in the earlier scenes. Her her hair was kind of brown, and in that scene, and I mean, you know, it, it could have been the I don't the colorization of the lighting, but that woman's hair almost looked like strawberry blonde to me. Mm. That ate the ate the bug. They, there was there was a. There was a Night of the Living Dead comic book that that went back on the you know how these various people how the naked zombie get to be there. Her story was that she was working at a drive-in or something, and a zombie shoved her face into the French fry grease and burned her up. Yeah. Here. I love and, it. And, and how did that have to? Oh, oh, I thought you meant the. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the naked zombie. I'm like, wait, how does getting her too. face shoved into the, into still the, like, on the naked fried zombie. grease? <laughs> <laughs> I, got I don't remember how the naked zombie got naked. I don't know. Just I think I think she was supposed to be a cadaver. I thought she was born oh, that way. Okay, mm. <laughs> she was born that way. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Anything else we want to talk about with the zombies? The only thing I have is maybe like a little fun fact because I watched Psychomania the other night and oh, cool. the yeah and the motorcycle gang was called the Living Dead. The Living Dead. Oh. Um, there's one scene because uh, I'll forget if I don't say it now. There's one scene that I just think is so brilliant—a single shot, actually, not a scene—where hmm. early in the movie, when you know they're breaking into the house and and uh, Ben is fighting them off, mm -hmm. and he like slams one in the face, I think with the crowbar or the butt of the rifle or something, and he staggers back. And this is so cool because he like fills up the frame, and he staggers back. And when he staggers back, that's when you realize there is a whole bunch of these things it, oh, yeah. up to this point. It's just been one here, one there, but now we realize we're surrounded. We're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And that's such a cool, cool shot. Romero doesn't get enough credit for what a good editor he is oh, yeah. in this one. And it, maybe even more so if you look at Martin, Martin is magnificently edited. Um, just, just a great job. And I, I think the movies that he was able to edit himself are really the ones that show him off at his best. He really was quite good at it. Hmm. So I think we could probably move on to the last section here. And I didn't really know what to call this, but for lack of a, a better or more clever name, I'm actually going to call it the house of Romero. 
And I'm not just talking about the house itself, although we can talk about that. But the one thing that kind of struck me watching this, and then I also watched Knight Riders again for the first time a few weeks ago, and <laughs> a lot of his other movies. So George Romero, obviously based out of Pittsburgh. Actually, I think he was from New York, but I guess he he had moved to Pittsburgh. And a lot of his movies, he I mean, he was basically like this was heralded as the first feature major feature film out of out of pittsburgh and it's amazing how many of his movies like the the countryside irons of like that area of pennsylvania are almost a character in a lot of his movies so i just want to kind of talk about that and i i like i love the the opening of the movie like i mentioned i love the music and everything but i also love the fact that the like just a couple of driving scenes kind of establishes that they are, they are going deep into the like Pennsylvania countryside. And it kind of establishes you know, they've been, they've been driving for a while and they're out in the middle of nowhere. And it just kind of gives you, I kind of like the fact it's very simple, but it kind of gives you a sense of like the, the place uh, that this movie takes place in. So yeah, I don't know. Do you guys, I don't actually have like a ton of stuff to talk about. I just wanted to kind of mention that. And I wasn't sure if anyone had any thoughts on uh, kind of the the locations in this movie or especially like the house or any of the other places in this movie uh, that the that the the situations kind of unfold in. Well, I mean, the whole idea with the house is, you know, it's it's your sort of your standard siege um, storyline. And the and the question is, I mean, nowadays, that's that's real common in zombie films, but um and, you know, there, there, I guess there were other siege films, you know, before this as well, but it becomes, it's so central to the, to the, to the plot. And I had something else to say about that, but uh, I completely <laughs> lost it. Fine. <laughs> well, I, I was also going to say, yeah, that, so that house they found, I guess, was actually going to be demolished. And so they, they managed to <laughs> shoot there pretty cheap. Apparently they actually lived out there. They were talking about how they like slept on cots and they... I guess, you know, they had to, like, they didn't have any showers or anything. But I read read the first room they cleaned up was the kitchen. So they had a big place to eat. (laughs) Well, I I was actually kind of impressive, though, because I guess they, like, all of the dressing, like, they they mentioned, they called out when he opens the drawer uh, at one point to, like, find nails. It looks like kind of a junk drawer, but apparently that's all, like, they they dress that drawer. And the, you know, when they go, when he goes into the... uh, uh, the closets and stuff, all that is actually set dressing. So I don't know. I, I was actually kind of impressed at the the fact that it actually looks like someone's house. And at that if you haven't made, if you've never been involved in the making of the movie, that might sound super asinine, mm-hmm. but it's, you don't realize until you go to make a movie that like, okay, yeah, we have this house, but you need to make it look like a house. It's actually not as easy as it sounds. Right. And I'm, right. I'm really impressed with the fact that they made, they made this look like a place where there are people who are actually living. Just some creepy little elements. The, the the dead animal heads on the wall. Yes. That yeah, that was you know. Yeah. And not normal animal. I guess there was a deer there. Was there one of them like a, a pig or something? A boar? Was it, yeah, so. like a warthog. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Is that something you would be hunting in Pittsburgh? I don't know. <laughs> in rural <laughs> Pennsylvania, possibly. I, I think it was. I I I can't. I didn't actually take a note, so I'm just going off a of memory. But I think it was the guy who plays the sheriff. Someone, I think it was him or someone else involved in the movie, actually, like, I guess he was a hunter and he actually loaned them those so that they could dress that room. 
Well, you know, I've, I've seen that in other movies, you know, where they, you know, they'll zoom in on something on the wall, like a, you know, a, a, a animal's uh, bust, and it's supposed to scare you, but or something, but it, it's, I don't know, it's, that's always been lost on me. When they showed those animals' heads, it, it kind of made sense that, um, Barbara was kind of messed up by it because I guess she wasn't really, they weren't really from that area. But, uh, you know, if you, you see a yeah. deer head hanging on the wall, unless it starts talking to you, I mean, is it really, you know, does that really throw you off that much? No, um, but when they stick the arms on there too, that's what's always thrown me off. Tell you the truth, the the, the legs arms. of the deer, yeah, they they do that. I guess I guess technically they're legs, no matter which end they use. But but yeah, I just like oh, I mean okay, I guess. Uh, you know, yeah, there's another shot too that I love in that in that early sequence when she uh, gets to the music box. It, it just seems almost oh, yeah. so out of place. It, it you know and. and it just shows it's a beautiful shot where we see her face through the the spinning mirrors and everything and you know where again she seems to be descending almost into like she's retreating into an almost childlike state everything's fascinating and then we then of course we see the dead body upstairs or the blood is dripping on her hand from upstairs the chocolate syrup is falling there and yeah good stuff Good stuff. oh yeah so i had forgotten about that so the, the that person couldn't have been there that long if there's blood dripping. That's right. That's, that's right. She's they're dripping. So again, why? So that did means they not something in the room? house killed her within the last eight hours and and left or something. Unless yeah. maybe, and maybe she face. shot. Maybe she shot herself in the brain, and then the zombie, whoever was there, ate her, and then wandered off to where. Maybe. Who knows? Oh, one other thing about the about the house. Since we brought that up, I had a note on that. that I, and this was this was sort of a silly note, but like when they were gonna go board up the place, I had just made a note. He found a lot of boards in that house. I mean, I'll tell you right now, if you were gonna board my house up, we do not have that many boards lying around to board the place I, up. I have also thought of that as as have you. And yes, there's a definite uh, lack of boarding in my. But I but then I started thinking. And listen, and I have thought about this. Started thinking, I got all these crappy IKEA shelves and everything. I could probably strip them down, and I don't know how much particle board is going to really keep out or, or a shambling horde. But I don't know, slow them down a little bit. You they show him the, doing that. They show him tearing apart cabinets. Yeah, yeah um, there you go. Yeah, granted, granted, he's like pulling off one board, and all of a sudden, there's about six behind it. But <laughs> well, but still. Yeah. Well, he was using doors. You know, he was like taking yeah. the doors off the hinges and nailing those up. Yeah. I mean, it is a, like an old farmhouse, so it, it seems kind of realistic to me that it's kind of like, you know, maybe they've patched it up over the years and like it looks like the, the one that he pulls off of uh, like the cabinet on the on the floor is just kind of like patched in there. For all the good it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, well, and OK, now there you what you know, OK, we were talking about it. That's actually one thing that uh, it's not really a rule, but in zombie movies, everybody boards up the windows and the doors and it never works. They go to they go to like they spend hours doing it and ultimately it always seems to fail. All it does is although like it, alert but it seems every like a zombie, good idea. You know, the hammering alerts every zombie in the area code that there's something going on at this house. So <laughs> if only they could go into the basement and board themselves in there, they'd be yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, and that again, that remember um so they said they were in the cellar. And it's kind of out of place, but about three quarters away through the movie, Ben does say, is there a cellar? D do you remember that? It's when they go get the jars for the Molotov cocktails. 
He's like, is there a fruit seller? It's like, yeah, there's there's a seller. You know, they were in it. Yeah, but he's looking for that. a fruit seller so they can find the jars. Yeah, fruit seller. Oh yeah, is a fruit seller and the seller different? It's Do you got just fruit leave in your it. fruit in your cellar? <laughs> no, yeah, of course it's different. Oh, okay. See, that's I'm not from the Northeast, so I, that Alan Alan's been living like an animal this whole time, storing his, <laughs> his fruit yeah. in his non-fruit cellar. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the uh, another thing. One other thing I'll mention is, um, like I said, I was I was trying to pick up things like Paul was in the newscast, and I don't know if any of you caught it, but there was a shout out for Camden, North Carolina. There was some oh, yeah. kind of a uh, there was some kind of a, a information center, and it was based out of Camden, North Carolina. Because when I saw this, I didn't know it was set in Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. And when they mentioned that, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is actually set in North Carolina. But then I, I realized it was Pennsylvania, but they did do. Uh, they mentioned Camden, North Carolina. I guess somebody somebody had a tie yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, bad advice. Head for the Outer Banks. Head for an island. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Molotov cocktails. They they work much better than. I've, now I've never actually done a Molotov cocktail. I know this sounds shocking because it sounds very much like something I would try at some point in my life, but I've never actually tried it. So I, I it, I'm not sure they they work as well as they do in the movies. Um, but here they work just fine. And and you know I I gotta say. The stunt people really earned their keep because it didn't look like it was it was very complex how they did this. Like it looked like they just sort of had people standing there while they tossed Molotov cocktails at them and hoped that, was that they didn't it. actually catch on fire. Yeah, when they're yeah. standing by the, the car in the front that when they're the shot from up above in the house. Yeah. There's one in it, and like it gets right near the one guy's leg. I'm like, oh yeah. shit. <laughs> I'm thinking the yeah. only the only thing they had was just barely off camera was a guy with a fire extinguisher. I if hope needed. Yeah. Well, yeah. apparently, apparently they had they they did have to make sure that they exploded like uh like that you actually see in the movie. So I think it was uh they, they were actually talking about how Carl Hardman they had put like big rocks down on the ground and Carl Hardman had to make sure to hit the rocks so they actually exploded. Oh wow. Yeah. Apparently, uh, also you do see a couple of zombies who are on fire at uh, a few points. And those were not stunt people. Those were just uh, people who agreed to be set on fire. So uh, taking one for the team. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. I mean, it's uh, not like a full body bird or anything. It's like, you know, they have like their arm, their sleeve on fire or something. Oh, that's still. That's I, can, I can see it now, yeah. though. Okay. We need some volunteers to be set on fire. Again, you're still getting paid the same. Fire uh, or not. Nothing. Yeah, sandwich. <laughs> you get an extra sandwich, sandwich at, at the end of the day. Yeah. I just want to say for any uh, aspiring filmmakers out there, there is no bigger mistake you can make than to dick around with fire. All right. That, that mm. just don't do it. Do not do it. It is so hard not to get burned. And especially setting people on fire. If you're going to mess with fire, set something else on fire other than people. <laughs> I mean, it's just got to go bad. Do we have anything else to talk about the setting or do we want to kind of move on to the kind of legacy and franchise of this movie. One one more thing about the setting is I and yeah. I may be wrong because I might have just missed some rooms, but I thought they kind of waited a long time to check out the upstairs because like for me, I would have checked out the whole house. You know, they were boarding up downstairs. Now maybe it's sort of implied that he had been all over upstairs, but it just seemed to me like there might have been a room or two that wasn't explored, and I would have looked for zombies in those rooms. That's interesting that you say that because if I were there, I also would let you check out the rest of the house. 
you guys would be you guys would be make a good team. Uh, yeah. Bill would be like, I'll, 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 <laughs> Bill, I'll that, Bill would be in the cellar, and yeah, I'd yeah. be checking out the rooms hey, Alan, If you find anything interesting, just let out a scream, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna board the door of the cellar. You, you scream yeah. if you find yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, two, ben actually screen. does check out. Ben actually does check out upstairs because he clears the the dead body out of the hallway and oh. drags it into the one of the back rooms. So presumably, while he was up there, he. He cased he the checked him out. Okay. Or it didn't look like it was that big and upstairs though. So dead body apparently uh played by Kira Sean as well. They mentioned that they they needed uh they they tried to do that scene with a mannequin and it looked too fake, so they had her just lay there. So it actually looked like a body. Really? Uh, when he drew because when he dragged it away, it looked like a an adult. No, yeah. yeah apparently it was it was the kid. Oh, you do actually and what's interesting is if you watch when he drags her away, the you can see that her face is not torn away, by the way. Just to oh, let yeah. you know. It's in the goof section, I guess. I don't know. I, oh, speaking of goofs, I will mention one more thing before I move on. So the scene where he where the zombie comes into the house and it's about to attack Barbara, and I, I can't remember exactly I think he just like hits it and it and it dies. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? It, it's like near the beginning and he kind of drags so. it away. Yeah. Uh, that that that, uh, that zombie, I believe that's the one actually played by John Russo. Um, but they, they, I've always seen where uh, the zombie basically when it falls, you see like a close up of his face and his eyes move. And yeah. I've always, I've yeah. read that that's a blooper. Apparently, they were, according to them at least, uh, after the fact, they were going for, they were trying to do a kind of a bit of a jump scare because they were trying to infer, oh, maybe he's still alive. And then you see him start moving and you think he's going to get up, but then it cuts to Ben and he's just dragging him away. So. I thought huh. that was kind of interesting, just because I, yeah, I didn't realize that was a blooper. I thought it was just like, well, he didn't really destroy enough of the brain to to put him yeah. out for the count. I always I always assume the same thing, but I've always read anytime you hear you read about uh, you know goofs, everyone's like, oh yeah, the zombie moves his eyes. But the classic blooper in the movie is that is maybe the worst jump cut in any movie I've oh, ever God, seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when uh, with with uh, the Bickersons downstairs downstairs and. That was so, it's so weird to see something like that. I just, uh, I'm, I'm just sort of shocked they didn't try to do some cutaway. But... So what was the cut? Because actually, I, it's it's not really. Yeah, I don't remember that either. It's uh, let me see. It's when they, um, Harry and Helen are arguing about something. Yeah, it's and... when they're in the. It's when they're in the in the cellar, and it's I think right before they go back upstairs. I don't remember the exact like where it is in the sequence of events. Uh, but the the reason that that's in there is actually because there was much more to that scene. There was more dialogue, and the one thing that the uh, the distributor wanted them to cut out basically they wanted them to cut the movie down, and so they mm. they ended up cutting out like they were like a, I think they said they were like a few more minutes of dialogue, and so that was like I guess the best way that they could cut it. They didn't have they didn't shoot coverage so they had to basically just cut the scene uh from they cut a couple of minutes out in the middle of the scene and jump cut to to him in a slightly different position yeah it's kind of, it's kind of weird though i remember i remember like even when i was watching that as a as a kid i was like it's really it's really weird because i've never seen that before uh but i guess it's because they, if I, they when I saw it on yeah when i saw it on tv i just assumed there was something really horrible and bloody or cussing or something that they had to right, cut out right right yeah. yeah cool well i think unless anyone has anything else or if alan has any other notes or if renee <laughs> has anything because she's been very quiet 
Sorry, I've been just enjoying um, listening to Alan speak for the first well, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we found out what his voice sounds like. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah, gosh, you know, I uh, I don't. <laughs> I've got one more thing. I, okay, I wrote one more it. note down. And my, okay, it's weird. I, I'm, I'll tell you the note, then I'll, I'll, I had to remember what it was. I wrote coffee cup at end, sad. And I was like, what am I talking about? And then I remembered the very last like shot of the movie that is, you know, uh, video and not a picture. And I don't know why they put this other guy. He comes he comes up to the police guy and he said something like, oh, where'd you get the coffee? He's like, oh, I got it from one of the volunteers here. You have it because, you know, you're working hard or whatever. And that's not the important part. The important part is the cup of coffee that he hands him literally is a Dixie cup of coffee. I mean, who who drinks an ounce of coffee? It's a Dixie <laughs> cup. It's it's yeah. uh, it's to hold it with like two fingers. Yeah. It was. I was it's, just like, why didn't they get a coffee cup and just handed the you know a cup? But nope, they gave him a Dixie cup. That's coffee anyway, in the European style. It could be. <laughs> Maybe that's how they do it in Pennsylvania. Yeah, in their fruit cellars. <laughs> I don't know. Pennsylvania Dutch coffee. Those, those, yeah. I was gonna say those Pennsylvania Dutch. You don't know. You don't know how to drink coffee. Bunch of weirdos. Um, uh, well, I think we can move on to our next section, which is legacy and franchise. And I don't know if we have an extra hour and a half to get into the real legacy of this movie. <laughs> um, what do you guys want to say just to kind of skim the service about, uh, you know, what, what this uh, movie produced the legacy. And I think we've talked about this. I mean, it created the modern zombie film. It created a whole genre. It set up rules that, that are still used today or when they're broken, they're broken intentionally and say, Oh, look, this is different. You know, I mean, it's, it's a whole nother beast. Oh. Yeah, like who does that? Who can just make something and it's like, okay, that's all right, that's fine. That's, that's what it is now. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, <laughs> like how great is that? Yeah, I mean, there were there were zombies before, but this is not what a zombie was. So this oh, essentially zombies really were the worst monsters. They were the right. worst, most uninteresting monsters. Nobody this, gave two shits for zombies. This basically created a new monster, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, a flesh eating. Well, it's it's sort of a combo monster. I've I've argued that there's six basic monster archetypes, but don't ask me what they are because I can't remember them right now. <laughs> but one of them was cannibals, and the other yeah. was ghosts. And effectively, these are ghost cannibals. They're the dead come back to some kind of life. And by the way, if that's not scary enough, instead of just going ooga boogada the way most ghosts do, they uh, they eat you. So well, yeah, well, dang. Let me actually spin it a different way, Bill. It's interesting that you say that. I was actually thinking about this the other day and I was thinking about, okay, you know what there, they say that there are the, the types of conflict in, in literature or in fiction. And it's, you know, man versus nature, man versus man. Uh, mm. I, I don't remember the other ones now, but those are the only two that matter to make my point because this is, it's, it's not really man versus man, but it's not really man versus nature. It's almost a weird amalgamation of the two. Yeah. And I, I think also this is, to me, this is the modern horror film because it's also a very secular horror. You know, the, most yeah. horror movie, most horror movies are by nature conservative because the fact that evil exists implies that good also exists. If there's a devil, there's God. And in this one, the monsters, I mean, here they are, the life after death, but it's not any kind of life. There's no soul. It's, it's reducing humans down to just ambulatory meat. 
with nothing but the most primal urge, hunger. The one, the one urge that you're born with, and apparently even after death, you still have it. It's irrational. How, what, are they digesting food? It, does it give, do them any good? No, probably not, but that's the only thing that's left. That's the only part of the brain that's left. There's, there's no God, there's no devil, there's no Van Helsing to save you. And, and like I was saying, even if you are, have the smart guy in charge, it all ends badly. I love slow zombies because I think they're a perfect metaphor for death. You know, mm. the fast ones, fast zombies are like you're in the Serengeti and you're being chased by a pride of lions. Yeah, that's <laughs> scary. That's scary, but okay. You know, it's, it's happening so fast you can barely even think about it and you're dead. But the slow zombies, like they're chasing you and you're running from them and you can outrun these bastards, but they don't get tired. They mm. just keep on keeping on and you run and run and run and you got to take a rest and you fall asleep and you sleep longer than you think. You wake up and they're just about on your neck and you run again. And every time this happens, they get a little bit closer and a little bit closer. You can't outrun death. You can work out and take care of yourself and take your metformin and everything, but it will chase your ass down eventually. Yeah, it's the inevitability of it. Great monster. Yeah, it's the inevitability of these. And then you have the then you have the fear that there's not even an escape. In this, death isn't even an escape. Right. Yeah. Death death is quite literally a living hell. So you have you have that fear that that comes into it, which makes them so great. And then you have which they you know, it's funny, it's it's like a cliche now with a lot of zombie things, but it's it's right here in this movie as well, which is, you know, who's the greater monster? It's the humans are the greater monster. You know, I mean it's it's the it's it's uh um you know, you have the conflicts between the living people in this. I mean, I'm sorry, Ben does flat out murder. The other guy, he shoots him. He doesn't need, you know, it's not self-defense at that point. It's like, okay, you're a fucker. I'm shooting you, you know? So yeah. it, it's, it, it, it is the, you know, so even a good man is draw is driven to that. So, I mean, you have, you have, you have the, the inevitability of it. You have the horror that you are going to become one, no matter what the hell you do, unless you shoot yourself in the head. And, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's all those things. And this all comes from this movie, which is amazing. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, Harry had it coming at that point. <laughs> he did. I mean, you can't turn your well, back on him. No, that's yeah, true. Was... But I mean, he, he does. You know, you, you know, you can't really argue it was self. Well, you could, I guess. But you know, we we were all everyone went yay when he gets shot. So, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. all that matter. No, no, but, I mean, nobody nobody weeps for him. But it would have been a mercy killing if he if he shot him in the head. It would I'd be totally on board because at that point, really, your only choice with Harry is to either kill him directly. Or force him to walk outside and be devoured by the living dead. Either, fact, either way, he's going. In fact, by not shooting him in the head, that's actually worse because you're condemned. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. Locking locking well, the door locking the door was a dick move, but you know you could sort of <laughs> you could write that off as he was scared and everything else. But yeah. taking the gun and basically just you know yeah yeah no you're you're. Anyway. Yeah. Well, obviously, this film spawned at essentially single-handedly an entire genre of movies, books, comics, all kinds of media. I mean, it spawned like and it's kind of funny because, you know, when I was watching this probably, you know, 30 odd years after the fact, I, I you know, the, the, the idea of a world where the zombie subgenre didn't exist 
was just completely unknown to me because that was just kind of a fact if you were a horror fan you 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 knew zombies you knew the rules but to think that you know in in not in my lifetime but in my parents lifetime these rules were established by this one film is is kind of mind-blowing to me this movie obviously they probably lost a lot of uh, well they didn't lose money they they didn't make uh nearly as much money as they could have it came out it was hugely successful like bill mentioned it was released <laughs> in matinees and uh I, they, they actually there's a there uh, you can find interviews with people recounting uh when they were a kid and they watched this and uh you know probably traumatized them for life but it also was released overseas uh in the subsequent years it was released in europe it was released in japan it was pretty much universally successful is actually only after it was released in europe and a lot of the European critics started praising it that all of a sudden the U.S. critics who had derided it suddenly came back around and watched it again. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's there's actually uh, there's actually a pretty good movie. There's a there's a lot going on here. Unfortunately, there was not a lot of money being made by George Romero or any of the other people involved in this movie because of the copyright thing. But George Romero did not give up on the idea of zombies. And a decade later, we got Dawn of the Dead. And then we got uh, four other movies after that, which we will kind of talk about more in the future. What what are the what are the movies? I, I saw I found Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, mm -hmm. Land of the Dead. You, are there? You said there are more in this. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, there are two more after yeah, that. There are moments. There's there's Diary Diary of the Dead. Yeah, and and, and Survival one? of the Dead. Survival of the Dead. Yeah. yeah, that was a little. And you say that those are? It's unfortunate that they exist. <laughs> those were after. Those were done well after the other ones. I mean, Land of the Dead was twenty years after Day, and even that I felt had some. It, it still felt like a Living Dead movie, whereas the other two, oh, I don't know. It feels. It feels like uh, we've we've talked a lot about directors who kind of uh, you know, keep working after they should have retired and look i love george romero i i i think he's you know he's contributed so much to film and to horror and by all accounts he was you know also one of the nicest dudes in the world but man mm. i kind of wish he had quit while he was ahead <laughs> let me just say that anyways um we'll make we'll, well, if we want to we'll cover those movies at some point sorry paul go ahead oh i was gonna say in terms of there's also the the unofficial sequels, right? I mean, which we definitely yes. need to touch on at, at some point. Well, I, I would I would go so far as to say I would love to do an entire episode on at yes. least the first two Return of the Living Deads because Oh no, I, I was talking about the other one. I was talking oh. I was talking about uh well, well we know it as like zombie, zombie, but in Italy oh, it's zombie yeah, yeah. too. Because this yeah, was known right. as zombie in Italy. And I mean, at well, some no, point we Don, are gonna have to cover that. Don was known as zombie, yeah. Zon no, Don was known as zombie. In... Oh, okay. Yeah. So yes. That was a sequel to So I would, I would oh. put in uh, a bad. request for Living Dead in Manchester Morgue as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I just re I just watched that for the first time a few weeks ago, and man, what a what a great movie! Yeah, yeah. I would look forward to doing Zombie Two because I remember watching that movie, and I remember it being at least from my memory incredibly slow. But I've heard so what? many people talk about how great what? it is, and I haven't watched it since. I, it's quite possible I'm remembering another movie. So a zombie fights a shark. A real shark. Fights a shark. Yeah, I, I might be thinking of another movie. 
look, look, here's the thing. If, if you've listened this far and you're looking for more Living Dead content, let's just say it sounds like we're probably everyone's down for talking about a lot more. So you can probably listen for the next two years to, for us to, to <laughs> yeah. talk about all these movies. Uh, Renee, do you, do you have any, sorry, Renee, do you have any other thoughts before we move on? Oh boy. Um, no, I don't. I'm sorry. My brain is a bit of a night of the living dead right now, but no, I, uh, I, I'm not trying to call you out or make it awkward. I just, we're a bunch of chatty Kathy. So no, I'll that's sure okay. That no, I, uh, it's true. Sometimes I'll just be sitting thinking of something and I, and I don't say it. Um, anyhow, no, I'm, I'm pretty good. I just, it's still just, you know, the whole idea of how he just made a zombie movie and everyone just kind of accepted it as canon and that kills me. I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy George Romero and his big glasses and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I just love people yeah. that have like kind of that like iconic, uh, thing you know like sally jesse Raphael and her red glasses you know just someone has that yeah. thing that they're like this is my thing and i'm doing it got to got yeah. to meet him at uh was it horrifying one of the conventions he yeah, was there horrifying. yeah horrifying yeah yeah and got to meet him got to got his autograph on something something and tell him as i'm sure he's heard about a gazillion times that there's a pretty direct line from his watching his movie to being a filmmaker yeah um, so how, cool. how many people not only created their own genre but just inspired so many people to get into the business and and yeah. try to do what he did i mean i'm glad that he lived long enough uh to see that because so many of these influential filmmakers you mm. know they die thinking they failed thinking no one's going to remember and he's no one could say that he might have felt a little bad that he didn't get a, a bigger bigger slice of uh the billions of dollars that his idea brought in no but, kidding you know but still there's a lot to be said for just you know, the, the name george romero will always be a name mm. as long as people love movies that will he'll always be remembered that stuff his that stuff has a, a quality it still holds up today how many movies from 68 hold up today not many no kidding. I, I, yeah, it's actually funny i can i 68 is probably one of the best years ever for film because it's also the year that rosemary's baby planet of the apes and 2001 was released so oh, wow. <laughs> but, yeah. but if you yeah any any other year around that time uh or any yeah uh it's it, well, it I'll, is I'll, <laughs> sorry I'll tell you this if if you if you took my students my high school students geniuses one and all um Raised well. I just want to put that out there in case any of the parents are listening. <laughs> and you showed them 2001 or oh, Rosemary's yeah. <laughs> Baby. It, it, they would be breaking windows to escape after at about the 45-minute mark. They might like Planet of the Apes only because they would giggle every time a gorilla showed up or something. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Fair it, it, this one still holds up. I mean, yeah, they'd still like, hey, this is black and white. It's old. Oh, shut up. They prefer the colorized version because they're you know, fools. I watched like the colorized version. Yeah. Oh boy. What, Anyways, what color did well, they make the zombies? Did they make them greenish or something? No, they they looked like uh, I mean just normal people, and they had you know little makeup things on the side of their faces. A lot of them. Hmm. The, 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 Again, talking about the colorization, I think they actually did a pretty good job on the zombies because it was always, except for the first guy, it was always dark. 
the skin tones of um of the people as they were outside i mean again you just sort of had to accept it for what it was i mean they would go from you know a pinkish hue to a you know some different color hue but i mean it was like i said i mean you, I, I kind of accepted it for what it was i knew that it had been colorized a long time ago and uh, you know i mean it just it was what it was curious have, have any of you guys actually seen night of the living dead reanimated which didn't that the where they yes. basically and how was that terrible <laughs> uh, it, it was no, it was a cool idea it was a cool idea and if you know like everyone was given a one minute section or something yeah. oh god and some yeah, like people shrek really i was literally just wondering if it was like shrek retold and it is yeah. and and some people did a good job and some, but most people just took their little section and hit it with an after effects filter <laughs> that looks like oh. animation if you don't know what animation is really at oh. least that's that's how i remember it Oh, that's oh man. missed opportunity. Yeah, I guess Shrek retold was actually a, a bet did a, did that better mm -hmm. than because they did this originally. Wow. Well, I think we could probably wrap up and talk about our final ratings and rantings about this movie, and the rest of us can probably keep our mouths closed for a little while longer. If Renee, you would like to go first and <laughs> uh, give us your final thoughts. <laughs> Oh, you know, I, I, I just didn't, I really enjoyed the movie for what it was. I know it doesn't really have much of a plot, but sometimes that's kind of nice that, you know, cause what was it this past weekend? We had watched some movies that just kind of went off the rails. So it was nice to watch something that, you know, you didn't really have to worry about what the plot was doing because there really wasn't much of one. You just kind of knew, okay, this is what's happening right now. And, um, it was very well done. Um, I thought everybody acted very well, um, in spite of a lot of them not really being professionals uh, by any stretch. Um, it uh, it was good. It was entertaining. It, you know, it has a hell of a legacy, um, and it's just kind of good for what it is. Um, and I would give it a four. Four VHS tapes. And I feel like there was something else, but I can't remember what it is. I'm so sorry. I'll come back to you. Oh, that's if fine. You can, we, yeah, yeah. Feel free to come back to it. <laughs> um, Alan, as the only person here who I think watched the colorized version, uh, why don't you give us your final rating and we'll decide whether we need to add or subtract points uh, based on the fact that you watched the, the horrible colorized version. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, what, I mean, what can I say about this movie? So watching this movie, you know, like I said, everybody talks about how great it is. I watched it. There's there's bad acting. There's continuity errors. Some of the camera work didn't look like it was, it was all there. But people seem to overlook that. And, and I like that. I think they should do that in more films because when i'm i mean when i'm watching a film i mean i'm it's it's normally for the story and i will forgive things like you know a continuity error bad acting or colorization you know if if that's your thing so um that being said um i give this four and a half vhs tapes out of five wow that's, I think, a new record for you. And it, that, oh, yeah, that's and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I doubt the colorization added or subtracted to it. But, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, the colorization, I mean, as far as colorization goes, was bad. 
I mean, like I said, the car is going down the street. It was pink at one point and kind of greenish at the next. But again, <laughs> I am perfectly willing to let that go. I mean, I, I watch it for what it is, you know? I mean, I think the story was was good. I also, you know, I also had to sort of put myself in the mindset of, you know, I haven't seen 80 horror movie or 80 zombie movies. Let me watch this like I have never seen one. And and yeah, I mean, if you've seen, you know, 50 other zombie movies, yeah, this is probably not a, you know, a, a great one in that respect. But if you're watching it with like, this was the first time this was done in mind. And yeah, I mean, this is a really, it's a, it's a really good movie. Well, we're going to say that that is four and a half version, uh, colorized versions. So, Paul, why don't, why don't you why don't you give us your, your final rants and rating on this one? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so I, I, I'm famous in saying I've been zombied out just because the past 15, 20 years, we've really had a, a glut of zombie films. But, you know, this is the, the OG zombie film, as it were. And watching it again, it reminds me why this is so much better than a lot of the stuff that's out now um this is still incredibly effective uh there are scenes that are just incredibly creepy um it it really gets to you there's it 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 it's it's just i i i can i when i watched it even though i was watching it like in the middle of the day it felt like i reminded reminded me of like being like a teenager watching this late night on tv and that just like really creepy feeling you it's no one else is awake and it's night and and you're watching this so it it is it really does have that effect still and I, I it still holds up really and it is neat to watch it again in a in a beautiful pristine version though though to be honest watching it in an old crappy version is is just as good because you get that kind of that feel from it as well so i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go with alan on this and give it four and a half um and this is non-colorized tapes um and uh yeah four and a half vhs tapes definitely still still holds up nice uh well let's go to the man he's probably seen this film more than any other person on the planet uh so we'll see if on the 400th viewing it still hold up for him (laughs) bill what do you think yeah this uh this is one of those films there's a few films out there i can watch at any point in the film like i turn it on it's halfway through Ah, it's all right i can fill in the rest i've seen enough times um, this gets a five out of five for me. I'd give it six out of five, but that would break reality. Uh, the, you know, how many films can have totally rewritten the rules and created a genre? I mean, it's, it's remarkable. It's not just that it created a monster. It created a genre. The apocalyptic horror is something I'm, I'm trying to think of anything earlier. You know, and I guess that's more day of the dead, uh, dawn of the dead. Oh, jeez, cat, stop. <laughs> trying to make a point here, you know? So it just, <laughs> it's the cat doesn't agree with your rating. Yeah. It was ahead of its time, and it still holds up. Just a, a great, great film. One of, the, one of the best. So five out of five for me. Easy call. Man. Well, yeah, so it's it, this is one of those movies that's really hard to rate because it's just like personally, I have such a history with it. And as a piece of historical media, almost, you know, there are so many movies that I watch that uh, there's lots of stuff, you know, maybe I missed or, you know, I, I, I hadn't seen before that people are like, oh, you know, this this was the first film to do this or 
this was the film that uh, kind of revo revolutionized this this type of filmmaking. And I watched it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a fine movie, but for some reason, I you know what? Sometimes watching a movie now uh, kind of remove if you remove the the fact that it had like the impact that it did, and then you kind of look at it as just you know on its own two feet it and you're like okay it's it's okay but it's not the you know the the revolutionary experience i thought it would be that being said uh i after watching this movie again for i mean i probably hadn't seen this in in almost 20 years and it still has the same impact on me today as an adult that it did watching this probably my first zombie movie ever as a teenager and kind of discovering this entire new world of horror and it's so weird to watch it again and unlike paul i am i am uh i am not zombie out. i will watch anything uh, related to zombies i i think i even got uh like four uh seasons into the walking dead before i gave up which is a lot more than a lot of people did uh so like i can watch anything with zombies but then you go back to this and it's the original and very often, you know, the the original, the 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 pioneer will have been kind of surmounted by other things that came after and built on what the you know the the foundation that was laid. But you come back to this, and it's still such a strong film. It's so well made. Sure, it you can see this the the like the the fact that you know they they were professionals in the ad world, but they were amateurs when it came to making a feature film. But I can overlook all that because it's just so well made. There's so much talent behind the camera. And I was actually going to say, because this is actually not my favorite Living Dead movie, I was going to say, well, I can't really give it a five. But I did that shit earlier with The Road Warrior, and then I had to go back and, and change it back. So, yeah, I'm just going to say this is this is a five. I'm not going to lie. Like, this is such a good movie. I could easily watch this at any time. I could put it on day or night and uh you know have a good time and watch it end to end which is not something i can say about uh very very many other movies so yeah that's a that's a big five for me which i think puts us at uh an average of i think this is a new record for us uh 4.6 vhs Woo! which wow. is yeah pretty impressive i, I was the low score oh my god yeah. I think zach just gave it a five so that i would still have given it a rating less than the average <laughs> just to keep me in my place exactly exactly like you said renee uh renee was still the the low vote on this one so i know i'm surprised oh, hey, but you did actually unknowingly you did put us in the right order this time to go from uh low to top yeah good see that was four four point five four point five 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 yeah I think the time I tried to do it, it didn't work. And then since then, I've actually done it almost every time. So I think I'm getting right. better. Yeah. I, think, I think I'm just getting better at, like, guessing what you guys, how you guys feel about a movie based on how much you talk about it. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that about does it for this one. But like I said, I think we probably have a lot more discussion around zombie movies and especially Romero zombie movies to come. So stay tuned. Uh, I think our next episode is going to be on Dawn of the Dead, but I can't promise anything because life stuff is going on right now and, and we are releasing stuff kind of uh, as we can. So stay tuned. At some point, we'll get to Dawn, Day, Land, and uh, those other unfortunate sequels. And until then, if you want to stay in touch with us, you can always follow us on Twitter at VideoJunkiesPod. Or you can visit us at www.videostorejunkies.com 
where you can find links to all of our other episodes. You can also find us on hopefully whatever uh, app you use to listen to podcasts. If for some reason you can't, you know, let us know and we'll uh, we'll make sure that uh, we fix that. So until next time, does anyone have anything, any outros or anything they want to say? Oh, Bill, do you want to plug uh, for the for the 20 people that listen to this podcast? Uh, do you want to tell them about the other podcasts that you uh, you guest star on? Decades of Horror, part of gruesomemagazine.com. And also, um, I don't know when this will get released, although you got, you're pretty quick with these. Con Carolinas and Carolina Fear Fest will be uh, two conventions will be coming later in this. Uh, Carolina Fear Fest is at the end of May. Con Carolinas at the beginning of June. And uh, I know I'll be there at both of them. And a film, a little film that alan and paul and i and a bunch of other people did for a 48 hour film festival is not only in the con carolinas film festival but has actually won an award but i can't say one award and and i have to say millennium buck oh okay cool especially i think i think everyone agrees paul is possibly the mvp of that film i don't remember what that one was about it's it's like the most movies i watched that was the one where we were all we were all uh, boarded ourselves up in 1999 because mm-hmm. we thought the world was going to end, and then we come out of hiding just in time for the pandemic. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I go back and watch it. I'm in it, it was, and I forgot it. Sounds great. It was told in the style of yeah, because they ran out of toilet paper, so they come out <laughs> yeah. uh, of hiding to try to find toilet paper, which aha, is part of the jokes. And uh, Paul, it's it's told in the style of a silent movie, which was perfect. And Paul shows a genuine gift for physical comedy that I, I totally underestimated. It's, <laughs> well, it's thank great. you. It was I, you, you got, with, when that person sprays you in the face because he's like running around trying to shake people's hands and everything, and they're they're all masked and trying to social distance, and somebody sprays him in the face with Lysol, <laughs> and uh, he's zipping around. It's sped up a little bit, so it makes it even funnier. But he's like hitting the ground like a bug that's just been hit by rain. It's great. It's arms and legs twitching and curling up. It's great. Yeah, my neighbors don't talk to me anymore. It's like we filmed that on the street. Oh Actually, my God. me walking around with a, a tripod strapped to my crotch as a, as, a, <laughs> as a snorry cam, they kind of, you know, looked at me a little funny after that. Oh, and I guess it's it's still under wraps what the award is. Yeah. Or is yeah. it not? Okay. It now, is. Bill, do you do you have another? Is there a some feature that you may have code start in that's that's coming out at one of these festivals or something? Feature? No. Okay. Maybe I. I uh, so. Maybe I, I. I thought that uh, uh, a certain film by uh, Jason Buterin was going to oh, be shown. Oh yes, Kill Giggles. Yes, it, yes, yes yeah. Kill Giggles. I've got a memory like a sieve. Um, <laughs> I was doing. I was setting that up for a bit, but that's okay. Um, and who else is in that movie, Bill? Judith O'Day. Yeah, there you go. So that's right. It all now, we, we didn't have any scenes together. My scene is my my scene is oh, it's it's not something I should be proud of. But uh, I'm I'm one of the very first deaths, and I die I die with a I think the kind of quiet dignity that I hope my actual end will be. <laughs> oh. So those of you who get to see it. You'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping that we'll get some uh, some real a real release besides the convention circuits, as I'm mm. sure Jason is. It's 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 a good film and uh, something a real labor of love on the part of Jason Buterin, who nursed 
nurturing this project for many, many years and quite mm. proud that he got it through. And I was glad to have my small contribution of humiliation. <laughs> Listen, Michael Ray Williams got, got a small bit of vengeance for all the terrible things that I've done to him over the years. <laughs> so. I, well, Hey, you know, tell him we, we've got like 20 listeners on this podcast. Uh, he can, if he can get us a screener, we will uh, happily review it. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> until then, I, I think that's pretty much it. One final thing I wanted to mention, uh, because I, this actually slipped my mind because I didn't have it in my notes. Um, but I mentioned earlier that uh, Bill Hinsman had shot O.J. Simpson, Juice on the Loose. Uh, I forgot that he shot that because George Romero directed it. So I think that's the next movie we're going to have to cover. So stay tuned for that episode. Uh, in two weeks, we are doing a full episode on O.J. Simpson, Juice on the Loose. Oh. Be here. I'm just kidding. We're not actually doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, good night, everyone. Thank you for listening. And we hope that you tune in next time. Bye. Good night. Bye, everybody. Take care. And yes, for all of you Juice on the Loose fans, I apologize. That is not actually our next episode. But you can join us again in two weeks for even more Living Dead coverage because, hey, we're just getting started. As we mentioned, there are six installments in this mainline series and then numerous remakes, spinoffs, movies that were loosely inspired by these movies. So, hey, we're going to be covering them all. We're going to be spending about the next five years just on Living Dead content. Actually, not. But join us in two weeks for our continued coverage of George A. Romero's Living Dead universe as we tackle a movie that may actually be more influential in ways than Night of the Living Dead. I am, of course, talking about Dawn of the Dead. We're headed to the mall in two weeks. Join us here at the Video Store Junkies podcast. Bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. Night. Of the living dead.